Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, here we get onto the uh, uh, subject matter of spiritual warfare. Now, it's very important to remember and keep in mind and never forget that this topic of spiritual warfare, it's coming up to a remnant church. And remember how we always say we're six years deep. From Acts 18, we're about six years into the growth of the church. Now, for the first three years, there was the arrested development. There was a bunch of babies. There was no growth. Remember, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I wish I could give you uh, deeper things. He says, but you guys are babies. I, I came to you with milk. I fed you with milk. And you know what? Three years in, you're still on milk. And so there was the separation that happened to separate the leaven uh, from the church. And once that happened, order was brought back into the church, into homes, into families, into marriages. And then once that happened, there was that a three-year gap between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And then Paul gets into deeper subject matter such as giving, what we talked about, what we studied in chapter 8 and 9. And now here we are in chapter 10, and Paul gets into the topic of spiritual warfare. Now, it's spiritual warfare, but it's uh, uh, more of kinetic warfare, or non-kinetic. Before, it was more kinetic, but it was more within the things that we do within ourselves, inside of these temples. Remember, Jesus Christ says that we're, our bodies are the temples, how the Bible teaches us that our bodies are the temples of the Lord. Now, knowing that our bodies are the temple of the Lord, now, it's what's inside of a man, what's inside of a woman, a boy, a girl, an old man, an old woman. What is inside of your temple? Now, it's a temple of the Lord. But that heart, that body needs to be given to the Lord. Remember, like, like we studied last week and in the previous week, in first, in first, the Lord must first do the work inside of you. And in order for that to happen, you and me, we have to yield to him. We have to submit to him, submit to his word, yield to his word, submit to the spirit, yield to the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And in this topic of spiritual warfare, which we're going to be for a couple weeks, we have to test the spirits because a lot of people, they yield to a spirit, but because they're not Bereans, because they don't know the word of God, because they don't study the word of God, they submit to a spirit that is not holy. You see, it's very important to understand. Now, it's also very important, and we stress it quite a bit, that we're six years deep. This is a remnant of Corinth. Now, you have to be very, very honest with yourself before the Lord. If you're a baby, if you're a baby in Christ, now praise the Lord. If you're a brand new believer, praise be to the Lord. But if you're a baby Christian and you've been a baby Christian for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, you have to repent. You have to repent before the Lord so that your heart can be right with him. And you, then you need to go back to basics. You need to study, listen to our study through 1 Corinthians, our study through the Gospels, Old Testament, New Testament. Start to grow, start to mature. Not just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Apply these things in our lives because I tell you the truth, spiritual warfare, it's going to get heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And you know what? The church is unprepared. The church is unprepared. Christians, unprepared. Remember, there are four categories of the last day's church. The last day's church, category number one, false. 
Okay. Now, if you're listening for the first time, you're like, whoa, what in the world is this guy talking about? You have to, you know, listen for a while. But, you know, there are prophecies about what the last days, and I'm not just making this up, but there are prophecies about the last days church, what the last days church is going to look like. And there are four categories. Category number one, false. Category number two, apostate, a defection away from truth. Category number three is entering apostasy. Category number four, true, okay? Now, the only way you can identify which church is of the four is you need to know the Bible. You need to be a Berean. I don't know where you're listening from, where in, on, in, I teach from America, where in America you're listening from, where in, you know, Africa you're listening from, where in Europe you're listening from, where in Arab countries you're listen, listening from, I have no idea, but the word of God Genesis to Revelation, the full counsel of the Word of God. Jesus Christ says He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. These truths are for all of us. You and me, we together, we yield to Him. Yield to the Word. Yield to His Holy Spirit. You see? And we have to test the spirits. Because remember, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. The spirit of the Lord will never steer a soul away from truth. Never. Never. That's why you get these guys, so-called pastors. They say, hey, come on, church. We're going to go grave soaking. We're going to go grave soaking so that we can soak in the Holy Spirit from these dead people. No, the Holy Spirit isn't in graves. That's an abomination before the Lord. Now, how do I know that? Because the Bible tells us, you know, necromancy in the Bible, forbidden, forbidden. And yet you have these so-called pastors. I'm doing my air quotes, so-called pastors who say, oh, come on, guys, let's go grave soaking. And Christians they do it. Why? Because they're babies. You see, they're babies. We need to grow. We need to mature so that we can understand these things. And so this topic of spiritual warfare, which is not just the kinetic aspect of our warfare is more internally. You know, how we deal with certain stimuli that can um, uh, that can fester in the flesh. For me, you know, I used to say my biggest one is anger. Now, or I used to say my biggest one was anger because now it's, you know, I, 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 very rarely do I get angry. You know, very rarely. But, you know, it's my issue before, especially, you know, like especially 25 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, is where anger was like there was like, an easy step from anger to rage, and that's not good. That is definitely not good. It was, it led me to uncleanness before the Lord. Now, the Lord has changed me. The Lord has changed my heart, changed my mind. Now, because I have these propensities towards not just anger, but rage, I have to deal with certain things in a certain manner. And a lot of times when I feel this anger brewing up, I'll just walk away. I know, and I know from my prior mistakes, I don't say a word. I'll just be quiet and I'll just walk away, extricate myself from a situation, from a person, from a group of people and just leave because I get that, that I have that propensity. That's what, that my battle, one of my battles, you see? And that's just one area of my battle. And I have brothers and sisters in my life who help me, you see? And so it's so beautiful because we link shields in that regard. We link shields. I help you, you help me. And we grow together. But then at the same time, and that's more of that kinetic warfare. 
growing and learning and maturing and understanding what you and I have to do in dealing with these earth suits that we're in. But then we get into a more in-your-face kind of warfare, which you enter the demonic, the satanic realm. And most Christians, remember how a couple of weeks ago, how you'd always, always hear say, most Christians don't make it this far. Most Christians don't make it past 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Most Christians don't make it past 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And that's a big mistake because you might as well just stop there. You know, you have Christians, as they, they, they quote from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Oh, it's spiritual warfare. They quote from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. They quote from 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But it's like, wait a second. You still haven't dealt with 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You still haven't dealt with 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So you look at the entirety of the letters to Corinth, the first letter and the second letter. Look at it like a big timeline of growth and maturing in Christ, not everybody, not everybody makes it. You see, not, not a lot of Christians make it past 1 Corinthians 5. You know why? Because you have scaredy cat pastors, scaredy cat elders who don't want to correct another brother, don't want to correct another sister. And so what happens is that form of carnality, whatever it is, that form of carnality, it grows, it festers, and it leavens the bunch. You see? And then, you know, you have pastors who teach, okay, okay, it's time to give Christians, it's time to give church. Well, wait a second. Let this be for the remnant because the remnant can give freely and understanding that, yes, there's these offerings made to the Lord for the, for the benefit of the saints, for the work of the ministry to advance the kingdom. And you know that these proceeds, they're not going to be funding uh, drugs and sex and pastors going to strip clubs and pastors doing their drugs and alcohol and all these things. You know that it's clean before the Lord. That's what's so beautiful about this freedom to exercise these gifts of the Spirit within the remnant church. Now, most Christians don't make it that far because of the scaredy cat pastors. And the scaredy cat elders who are scaredy cat unto the people, but scaredy cat also unto the pastor, they're yes men to the pastor. You see, instead of saying, hey, pastor, that's the Bible that says we shouldn't do that. So let's not do that. They're like, okay, pastor, we're going to do this. You see, yes men. If you're going to be a yes man, be a yes man to God and him alone. You see, and you will help. If you're an elder, you will help the pastor. You will, you know, and it could be that if you're a yes man to the Lord, it could be that, you know, it's revealed that your pastor's crazy town and hey, pastor, you need to step down because, you know, no crack, no sex at the pulpit, you know, no sex, no drugs, nothing clean, nothing mangy, nothing mangy. Remember our study through Leviticus, Numbers, and even Exodus and even Deuteronomy when we start our uh, study through Deuteronomy pretty soon, nothing mangy. Nothing mangy before the Lord. The Lord doesn't like a mixture. Remember, consecration unto the Lord, 100%. Now, we're in these earth suits. Yes, we're in the flesh. Yes, but we're not. We're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're in the flesh in terms of we're in these earth suits, but we walk according to the Spirit. And we're going to make mistakes because we're in a corrupt state right now. But that's no license to sin. That's no excuse to sin. And say, oh, okay, 
because we're in the flesh or so that grace can abound, let's sin more. Let's, let's sin so that grace can abound. No, certainly not exclamation point. That's what Brother Paul says. And remember our study through Romans? And so we have this aspect of spiritual warfare and it's for the remnant. And it's very important in these last days. Very important in these last days. Do you know why? Because the Bible says that in the last days, Satan knows his time is short. And because he knows his time is short, he's going to amplify his attacks. You see, at a time, remember the last day's church, those four categories, false, apostate, entering apostasy or true. Look at the dwindling, the, 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 the dwindling uh, 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 numbers of Christians that are in a true church listening to the the truth of God's word and growing and maturing in Christ. Look at the state of this remnant, which is smaller. But you have a smaller group of people at a time when the attacks are going to increase. You see? It's not a time. It's not a time to play games. Not to suggest that 30 years ago or 100 years ago it was permissible. Certainly not, not permissible. But even more so now. And yet the church is being seduced and is seduced. And in some cases to destruction. Remember, judgment comes first in the house of God. It is prophesied. Judgment comes first in the house of God. Now, in order for that to happen, just in studying the Old Testament, we have already studied the manifestations of God's judgments on Israel, in the camp of Israel. We've already studied these, and, and we're going to study more and more and more and more. Now, that's Israel according to the flesh. Now, since we know that judgment comes first in the house of God, what do you think those manifestations will look like? You see, it's not a pretty picture. It's not a pretty picture. And most Christians... When I say most Christians don't make it this far, most Christians don't make it past 1 Corinthians chapter 5 because of scaredy cat pastors. Most Christians don't make it uh, uh, through uh, this, uh, the, 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 the spiritual gifts. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, 13, and 14 because you look at the disarray, the disorder that you see in churches. Now, because of that, look at the fruit that you see in Christian homes. You see everything just crazy. You see everything a mess. Do you know why? I don't blame them necessarily. I do a little bit. I mean, graciously, of course. In some cases, a little stern, but still graciously. <laughs> Remember, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So remember, only the crucified can correct. You know, you hear us, you know, discuss these, you know, scaredy cat pastors and all these, you know, oh, does that mean that only you can? No. The crucified can. Only the crucified can. Because if you're if if you have a pastor, an elder, a deacon, a bishop correcting, and he or she is defunct before the Lord, is mangy before the Lord. Now I have to emphasize when I say she, and I'm not referring to pastors and elders. Pastors and elders biblically always male. Male headship. Pastors, elders, always male. Now when I say female, deacon perhaps. Uh, ministry leader in another capacity, but elders, uh, uh, elders, uh, pastors, always male, 100%, always male. Okay, so now that we, we, we understand that this is for the remnant, 
Now we get into this topic of spiritual warfare and very appropriate for these last days where the fight is coming to us. The fight is coming to your doorstep. The fight is going to be right in your face. And if you're a baby Christian, no, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. If you're a baby Christian, you're going to lose. Now, a lot of times we read the book of Acts and you're like, wow, look at this spiritual warfare. Wow, look, there's, you know, exorcisms and demons coming out of people and all these things and the works of the Holy Spirit. And then people come up with these excuses. They say, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't work that way anymore. The Holy Spirit, that was for another dispensation. That's a lie. That's a lie. I don't care who says that. I don't care which, you know, this guy who has a study Bible, this guy who has New York Times bestseller. I don't care who says that. You will never find an expiration date on the gifts and the working and the moving of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, you will never see an expiration date on the Holy Spirit. The reason why such people come up with these conclusions about the Holy Spirit, that was for another dispensation. That was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. The reason why is because they're babies. They are babies. In some cases, I still consider them brother and sister, but they're babies, you see. Now, because they refuse to move on to perfection, they, they might have a knowledge of the Bible, but what they don't have is the application of the Bible in their lives. A lot of times, they have the baptism of Jesus Christ, but they do not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You say, wait a second, I didn't know that was possible. Yes, it's entirely possible. But don't, don't forget Simon, our study through the, uh, through the book of Acts, how the, the, uh, Philip evangelized and uh, there, a whole bunch of people became believers and they were baptized in Jesus. And then Peter comes to town and realizes that the Holy Spirit had not, had, had not yet fallen on them. He laid hands the Holy Spirit came and indwelt in each and every one of them, except for one, except for one who believed in Jesus Christ, except he did not have the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Why is that? Well, it is revealed his heart was wicked before the Lord. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Philip, the, the other believers, they didn't know. Peter knew. Peter knew. And he called him out. You see? The Holy Spirit skipped one. His name was Simon because of wickedness in his heart. A heart which, which was not fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus Christ, I love you. But I also love my crack. I also like my sex. I also like my drugs. I also like my alcohol. I also like my occult. I also like this. I also like that. No, it's the preeminence of Jesus Christ, which we'll study when we get into Colossians. The preeminence of Jesus Christ, not the prominence of Jesus Christ. He's one of many. I love Jesus Christ, but I also love Buddha. I love Jesus Christ, but I also love Mary. No, it's Jesus Christ and him alone. The preeminence of Jesus Christ. You see? And most Christians don't make it this far. They think they do. They think they make it this far. Oh, I'm equipped to be to, to, for spiritual warfare. But when the fight comes, when they're actually confronted with demons, when they're confronted with the demonic realm, you know what happens? They lose. They lose. 
You see, because they're babies, they don't. Oh, that's for another dispensation. The Holy Spirit doesn't work that way anymore. You see, they're ill-equipped for the fight. And there are many in the church. And so here we are. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Now I, Paul, now I, Paul, myself am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Now, he, by the meekness, remember, humility. By the humility and gentleness of Christ. I love this so much because you remember Paul before the Damascus Road? He wasn't so meek. He was not so meek. He was not so gentle. He was quite violent. And arresting Christians and persecuting the saints, he was very violent. And yet, you see Paul now, after the Damascus Road. And what do you see? You see a different, he's not the same. You can look with, with carnal eyes. It's the exact same guy. He got the same eyes, the same mouth, the same ears, the same hands, the same body, the same build, you know, the same clothes. That's external. That's external. He's a different guy completely. He's got a new mind, a new heart, and a new spirit. Why? Because he, he has surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. Not a little bit. Not 10% of his life. Not 30% of his heart. 40% of his mind. No, 100%. All of it. You see? He's pleading with the saints of Corinth. He's pleading with the remnant of Corinth. In the gentleness and meekness of Christ, he says in verse 1, who in presence am lowly among you. So he's humble. He's humble. But being absent, am bold toward you. You see? Translates as, I am courageous into you. Not unto you. I am courageous into you. I love that so much. I am courageous into you, he says. He's Pouring out into the remnant of Corinth. Pouring as, as being new wineskin, full of new wine. And pouring into the vessels, the remnant of Corinth. I love that so much. And when he's there, when, when in Acts 18, when he was there, when he, when in physically, when they could touch each other, when he was there, he was lowly among them. Not, oh, look, I am Paul, you know, give me the best seat in the house, feed me the best food, house me in the best hotel, you know, all these things. No, he wasn't like that. Lowly and humble among the saints, but being absent and bold towards you, which translates as courageous into you. I'm so in love with his wording into you, pouring into a vessel of the Lord, pouring into the next generation of righteousness. You see the next and not his wine, new wine, which comes from above. Remember, old wineskin cannot contain new wine. It might for a little bit, a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months even. But that new wine, what it does to old wineskin, it will Make holes in that old wineskin. And the holes will get bigger and bigger. And new wine will go in and won't be held. It will just flow right out. Why? Because there's holes in the wineskin. And that's what you see among babies. Babies. People who refuse to reckon the old man dead. To reckon the old woman dead. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And praise be to the Lord. 
But if you're a baby, you need to grow and mature. But no, what happens today? People say, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Therefore, I'm going to go into this ministry. And they're old wineskins. Instead of being a new wineskin, they're old wineskins. And what happens? Instead of them being a fisherman, a, a, a fisherman for the Lord. No, Satan's a fisherman and they become the fish of Satan. That's what happens. Spiritual warfare. They're ill-equipped. They're not ready. They're just babies. You see? They're just babies. Now, what happens is you have pastors and elders who don't teach on this aspect of spiritual warfare because they're compromised. Maybe they're babies themselves. Maybe they're compromised. Or maybe they are wolves themselves. Remember our study through Acts 20 when shepherds become wolves? Yes, Shepherds of the Lord become wolves. It can happen and it does happen. And in the last days, it will happen more and more and more and more. Because Jesus Christ, when the disciples asked him, what are the signs of your coming? What, what's the signs of your comings? How will we know? How will we know, Lord? He explains, well, it gives indicators. These are the things that are going to happen. And among them, he says, false teachers and false prophets, they're going to be on the rise. And these false teachers and false prophets, they're going to present Jesus Christ, but not in accordance to his word, which means they're going to present another Christ. False, false Christs. And Jesus Christ, he uses plurality, false messiahs. Messiahs that are not in accordance to the word of God, which means they are fake. You see, false messiahs. Now, don't forget that in the last days, there will be an ultimate false messiah, which is called the Antichrist. The Antichrist, who will be revealed. But there are prophecies which indicate the conditions by which he will be revealed. You see? And only, only Christians can identify the Antichrist. Now, when I say only Christians, put a little asterisk next to that because only the remnant can identify the Antichrist. Because the statehood of the church being false apostate or entering apostasy it's in accordance to satan it's in accordance to satan now since i said that i'll i'll, I'll, I'll read uh, uh turn with me to second thessalonians chapter 2 and in second thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 says the coming of the lawless one which is the Antichrist, the coming of the lawless one. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. You see? With all power, signs, and lying wonders. You know, you have these people today in these last days who say, Oh, the Holy Spirit doesn't move like he did in the book of Acts. That was for another dispensation. That was for 2,000 years ago. The power of the Holy Spirit, what we read in the book of Acts, that's not for today anymore. That was for 2,000 years ago. You see, professing to be wise, these fools say such things. Yes, fools. Oh, that's you're so mean-spirited. How dare you say fools? Okay, okay. I won't say it like that. I'll say it like Paul says it. I'll say it, I'll say it like the Apostle Paul says it. I'll get my cues from him. They are idiotes. Okay, Greek for idiot. I won't say they're stupid, but I'll use what Paul says. They are idiotes. They give more credence to Satan than they do to the Holy Spirit. They give more credence to the enemy. 
and the Antichrist than they do to the Lord himself. Because the Bible says here that the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And yet they say, oh, the power of the Holy Spirit, that's not for today. But yet they acknowledge the power of Satan. You see, fools, fools. Oh, that's so mean. Don't say it like that. How dare you say they're fools? Okay, okay. I'll, 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 I'll do it like Paul. Idiotes. They are idiots. Idiotes. You see? And so look what happens here in verse 10, still in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. You see, you must be a lover of truth no matter how much truth hurts. And I tell you from experience, even to this day, truth hurts. Truth is painful. And praise be to the Lord for that. Truth is painful. Now, when truth hurts you, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit of our Lord who's, you know, cutting off some edges a little bit. You know, doing some pruning in, in the saints. It's not a bad thing. It's beautiful. Praise be to the Lord that truth hurts. Now, when that happens, you need to repent so that your heart can be right with the Lord. And when your heart is right with the Lord, the, the, the truth, it's going to hurt less and less and less and less and less. And then you're going to love truth. Not just because, you know, for the what you get out of it. Now, you're going to get beautiful blessings out of it because there's blessings to obedience. Now, once you're a lover of truth, you need to obey truth. You see? And there's protection in that. Goshen. Peace. Serenity. Grace. Mercy. The love of God. Having eyes to see and ears to hear. You see? And what happens when people don't have a love of truth, verse 11 says, for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. You see, it's a form of judgment, a form of judgment. This is spiritual warfare. And most Christians don't make it this far because they're babies. Oh, how dare you say that? How dare you say that? Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. Look at the pastors who are sex heads. Pastors who do their strip clubs, they do their pornography, they do their drugs, they do their alcohol. So-called pastors, I say. They're not pastors. They're not pastors. No. Hirelings, maybe. Wolves, maybe. Definitely not pastors. But yet, there they are at the pulpit, speaking. Oh, but he speaks in tongues. He speaks in tongues. That's nice. It's out of order. Out of order in two regards. Out of order in terms of not following the order of the Lord and the word of God as prescribed in the word, but out of order in terms of no power. Straight up out of order. No power. You see? And they lose. I'm not saying that like I want them to lose, but what do you expect when the holy formula is not being followed? The holy formula. You see? The work must first be done inside of us, inside of you, inside of me. You and me, we have to reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead, disavow the things of the flesh, those things which so easily ensnare us. And then all of a sudden, something's going to happen. That new wine, it's going to be at the bottom of these vessels of ours, and it's going to get, you know, higher and higher and higher and higher. It's going to be at our knees. 
It's going to be at our waist. It's going to be at our chest. And remember, we're not old wineskins, so it's not pouring out. It's not pouring out with holes. You see? We're, we've reckoned the old man dead. We've reckoned the old woman dead. And the new wine is going to get the chest, the neck, the mouth, the nose, the ears, the eyebrows, the, you know, the, your forehead, the top of your head. And then all of a sudden, that new wine is going to pour out. Not from the bottom where the holes are. The holes come with old wineskins. But because we're new wineskins, all of a sudden, that new wine, we're so full of new wine, it's going to start to pour out. It's going to pour out. And that's ministry. That's when saints give for the work of the ministry, such as we studied last like, last couple weeks in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. You see? And new wineskin with new wine, Satan doesn't want that to happen. Satan does not want that to happen, and he will come against you. As surely as the Lord lives, he will come against you. But because you're new wineskin with new wine and equipped, you're going to be ready for the fight. You see? You're ready for the fight. Satan's a fisherman, yes, but you're not going to take the bait because you're not among the idiotes. You're not among the foolish. Where the foolish are the ones, oh, that was for another dispensation. The Holy Spirit doesn't work that way anymore. And in so doing, in so saying, they blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You see, how do you, how do you expect the Holy Spirit to work in a vessel that blasphemes him? You see, oh, that's so judgmental. That's so judgmental. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. That's what the Bible says. Straight up, straight up. Jesus Christ says, count the cost. Count the cost. Oh, but I wanted to be a Christian. I became a Christian because I, 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 I wanted things to, I, I wanted like lilies in the field. I'm a Christian because I wanted, you know, little, little petals, uh, spring petals in my life. Okay. Praise the Lord. That's not a bad thing. Praise the Lord. But don't forget, Satan wants to kill you. Satan wants to kill you. Oh, but I like spring lilies in my family. I like spring lilies in my home. That's not a bad desire. That's a beautiful desire. But Satan wants to kill your husband, your wife. I mean, if you're male, your wife, if you're female, your husband, your kids, your daughters, your sons. He, he wants to destroy them. He doesn't just want to kill them. He wants to drag them out of your home and rip them to shreds. You see, that's, that's how he works. That's how he functions. You see, it's not a bad thing to desire good things. It's not bad at all. It's quite beautiful. But then at the same time, because we count the cost, we have to understand, okay, you know, it, 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 that, that's just how it is. Because Satan, he knows he's going in the lake of fire and he wants to drag you with him. He wants to drag God's creation with him. And Satan and his demons, they want to drag you and all of creation. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you going to let that happen? You see? Are you going to let that happen? You say, no way, I'm not going to let that happen. Okay, then. Let us train. You see? Let us equip. Let us learn how to fight. You see? Now, if you're a baby Christian, listen to our study through 1 Corinthians and, you know, master those things. Now, I say master those things, but you're still going to have issues. You know, you're, you're still going to wrestle with the flesh. But that's no excuse to 
give in to the works of the flesh and walk according to the flesh. Don't use that as an excuse. You know, it's called integrity. A lot of people don't have that these days. In the world, certainly. But in the church, even more so. Integrity, which is lost. Now, the Lord can give it back to you. The Lord can give it back to you. If you're not a believer, or maybe you're a believer and you're wishy-washy, you know, you're lukewarm. The Bible says, you know, Jesus Christ says, I, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out. Lukewarm in the body, he says, I will vomit you out, meaning extricated from the body of Christ. Don't be lukewarm. You need to repent. You need to repent so that your heart can be right with the Lord. You need to grow and mature. And then we apply these things in our lives because the fight is coming to us. The fight in these last days, the fight is coming to you. It's going to be right in your neighborhood, in your doorstep, at your workplace, right in your face. The fight will come to you and it's already happening. What are we going to do? Be scaredy cats? You see, are we going to be scaredy cats? We've learned from our study in the Old Testament what happens when Israel was afraid. Look at what happened to that generation. You see, 40 years in the wilderness. And the second generation, they need to rest on the promises of the Lord. And not just rest on the promises of the Lord, but trust in His ways. You see? And so Paul, you know, in presence, in verse 1, in presence, I'm lowly among you, you see, but being absent and bold towards you, courageous into you, you see, him pouring into us, him pouring into Corinth back then, and that's what's so powerful about the word of God, you know, 2,000 years later, give or take a couple of years, he's still pouring into us, that's how powerful, it says a lot about, not to deify Paul, but it says a lot about how dead he was. Because he was such a vessel back then that the Lord is still using his ministry. You see? It's all of the Lord. The same could be said of Moses, of Joshua, of, of Peter. You know, it's so beautiful. It's their, their intimacy with the Lord was so close that their hearts became that of the Lord. You see? Abide in me and I in you. That's what Jesus Christ says. Abide in me and I in you. And when he's in you, he's in us. What happens? You see? That's what's so powerful about being crucified with Christ. Crucified with Christ. So many times people say, I am crucified with Christ. I'm cru they, they, they rest on the passage. I am crucified with Christ. It's like, wait a second. I don't see crucifixion, brother. I don't see cruci crucifixion, sister. What's up with the crack? What's up with the pornography? What's up with the drugs? What's up with the strip club? What's up with the alcohol? What's up with the occult? What's up with the Ouija boards? What's up with the yoga? What's up with the Buddha? What's up with, you know, Hinduism, all these different things. I don't see crucifixion. No, you need to reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead. You see? And so Paul says here in verse 2, but I beg you, I beg you. Now, this is the exact same word we studied in chapter 8 when the Macedonians, they were begging Paul, pleading with Paul. Paul, please take this money. We want you to take this money. You know, Paul, you know, but you guys are poor. It's okay, Paul. The Lord is going to take care of us. Take this money. We want to join you in your work with the ministry. The saints that you're going to go see, they need this money here. Take it, Paul. Take it, Paul. They were begging with Paul. That's the same word. Paul is begging. 
And he's begging to the Corinthians. What's he begging them about? He says, I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold. Wait a second. Wait a second here. So he says that when he's there among them, that he's lowly among them. I wonder what that looked like when Paul was lowly among them. Maybe he just sat in the corner. When it was time to speak, maybe he spoke, but maybe he just sat in the corner and let the people do their thing. And he was just kind of sitting to the side, sitting in another room, on his face before the Lord in another room in privacy, praying for the saints. I wonder what that state of lowliness looked like. It's a hardcore message for pastors because pastors like to be the big shots in their churches. Number one, it's not your church. Pastors like to be the big shots with their special parking space. They like to have, you know, all the followers on social media. They take pictures of themselves, little selfies with their Bibles, little selfies with their cup of coffee and their little Bible study, little selfies of, you know, their, their study of, of their, their praying. They're supposed to be praying, but they have, you know, they have their head down, they're praying, but then they have, you see their arm up, you know, they're taking a selfie of themselves. Little selfie of look, you know. Here I'm giving money to the homeless. Look, I'm I'm, I'm giving a, a, a McDonald's bag to this homeless guy. Look, I'm taking a selfie. Look how awesome I am. But here's Paul. I wonder what his state of lowliness looked like. Pastor, elder, ministry leader. And yet in his letters, his boldness of being courageous into the saints, and now he's begging the saints. What is he begging? That I may not be bold. Wait a second. So he's bold, and yet Paul says, I don't want to be bold. Now, it begs the question, what in the world is he talking about? Now, this is another kind of boldness that Paul doesn't want to use with Corinth. It hinges on their obedience. It hinges on their obedience and disobedience. You see, I'll give you an example. You know, there have been times where there's an, uh, an abundance of the works of the flesh in fellowship. An abundance of works of the flesh. And it's like week after week, hey, brother, don't do this. Hey, sister, don't do this. Hey, you know, if you're going to do this, you need to repent. If you're going to do this, don't partake of communion week after week after week. And then as a result of the works of the flesh, the abundance of the works of the flesh, the subject matter comes up in scripture and all of a sudden it's like, okay, now these things need to be said. These things need to be said. They were said privately, the admonitions in one area, admonition over here, admonition over there. But now these things need to be said publicly. And in my heart, in my heart, I wouldn't do this, but in my heart, I wish I, I could do it. I wish I could take the obedient and say, hey, you know, go shopping, go have some breakfast, go away because this isn't for you. I, I, I wish I could do that, but I wish, but I don't wish. I wish because it's like this, this level of boldness, this level of saying what needs to be said, it's not for you. It's for this abundance of the works of the flesh. But through your, obe or through your obedience, this isn't for you. You know, come back in an hour. Come back in after breakfast. Go eat breakfast and then come back. I wish I could do that, but then I also don't wish because, you know, certain things need to be said, but the entirety of fellowship needs to hear these things for the benefit of the fellowship, for the name of the Lord, you see. And 
that's kind of what's happening here. Yes, in letter, I, I, I write these letters and I'm bold to, I'm bold and courageous and pouring into you. But when I, you know, it, 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 when I'm present, he, he says in verse two, I may not be bold. I, I don't, I don't want to be bold. I don't, I don't want to be bold. It's not that Paul can't be bold. It's not that Paul isn't bold. But his boldness is a representation of carnality. That's, I'm at, I, I, I'm at a loss of words kind of because, I, you know, I don't have a huge vocabulary. And so like it, it's, it, it, I mean, if you, I mean, have you ever been among a remnant of believers? You yourself are a remnant. I mean, you're obeying the Lord. You, you know, you, you, you the works of the flesh. I mean, even though you wrestle with it, you don't like it. And, you know, you're, you, you just, you're, you're striving to be at peace with, with, you know, as much as depends on you striving to live peaceably with man. And yes, you're striving to live peaceably with men, but you want to be obedient to the Lord and you'll die in obedience to the Lord. People will hate you. People will say you're stupid. People will call you a legalist. And it's just obedience. That's all it is. It's not legalism. It's obedience. And you're with anybody. And it just feels not gross, but you don't feel at home. But then you're among other believers, brothers, sisters. You're amongst other people. And this, this is a small group, a small group of people. And you just feel at home. You feel at peace because it's like, I can fight with these people and not fight like, you know, each other fight. Like I could go to war with these people. This guy's going to have my back. This lady's going to have my back. And it's like, we're going to get it on, you know? And it's, it's, I don't have a word to describe it, but it's, it's, it's so beautiful. What can interrupt that is carnality, our carnality. My, we're in the same boat, my carnality, your carnality. That's what can interrupt that. Now, when that carnal nature and the works of the flesh is manifested in a group, in a fellowship, in a church, it's the elders and pastors who have to say something, who have to correct, and only the crucified can correct. Their responsibilities is to do exactly that. You see? And when you have scaredy cat pastors who don't do that, who refuse to do that, who refuse their God-given responsibility, if in fact they're a pastor because God called them to be a pastor. Because if God called them to be a pastor, they're going to fulfill the duties of a pastor. You see? If God didn't call them to be a pastor, they're going to fulfill, they're not going to fulfill the duties of a pastor. They might fulfill the duties of a wolf, a hireling, but definitely not a pastor. You see? Obedience and disobedience. Either one of those pathways is directly, directly, uh, 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 it directly impacts the intensity and boldness of a pastor. You see? And Paul says, yes, when I'm absent from you, I'm lowly among you. And when I'm absent, I write these letters. And yes, I'm bold towards you. I'm courageous into you. But then he says in verse 2, when I'm present, 
I beg you that when I am present, I beg you. Remember the same word of the Macedonian Paul? We beg you, we beg you, Paul. The same exact word. I'm begging you, church. I'm begging you, saints. I don't want to be this kind of bold with you. You see? Look at that. Do you remember in chapter 7, when, when Paul says in chapter 7, he says, um, in chapter 7, verse 8, 2 Corinthians, he says, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, which is to be grieved, distressed, and sad, though only for a while. Do you think it, it wasn't an easy thing when we talk about the, the, the separation, the, 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 the separation of the leaven from the bunch? That's not an easy thing. It's painful to even say those things, to even utter those things, to even write those things. It's painful for the shepherd to do such things. But it's not because the shepherd desires to do those things in one regard. Yes, the shepherd desires to do those things for the remnant, but the shepherd desires to do those things in obedience to the Lord. But then at the same time, this is a result of their obedience, disobedience. Paul had to write these things. Paul had to say, you know, separate from anybody named a brother. Not because he's just saying, saying it for, you know, pulling out of, out of his hat and just saying it. No. Look at the works of the flesh. The sex, the alcohol, the extortion, all kinds of things. And uh, not, not just like. I mean, you say sex, and yes, it's egregious, but it's the kind that's not even named among non-believers. And Corinth was a, you know, quite an, an unbelieving place. Corinth was quite the place, and it's not even named among them, and yet it's inside the church. And for three years, uncorrected in the church. And so Paul has to say, inspired of the Spirit and in obedience to the Lord, has to say, okay, now it's time to separate. You see, picture Chloe. Picture Chloe, those in Chloe's household. What if Chloe went to a deacon, like after two months? Hey, deacon, I'm noticing something. I, I, this isn't good. The deacon was defunct. And eight months later, a year later, uh, Chloe goes to an elder. Hey, elder, I'm noticing these things. And it's just, it, it, you know, we, we need to address these things. We pray for you in your ministry, elder. But, you know, we know that you're called of the Lord. We know that, you know, the Lord has put you into this ministry. And so you serve in this capacity. So we're letting this known to you so that you can take care of it. You see? Then you have defunct deacon, defunct elder. And now Chloe goes to the pastors. Hey, pastors, you know, we're noticing something's wrong in the fellowship. And oh, these, these things are wrong. We're noticing this. And, you know... We pray for you and your ministry, pastor, and, you know, these things need to be dealt with and nothing. Defunct pastors. Oh, Chloe, what do you know? You're just a woman. You know, you got your ladies' Bible study. You're just a female. You know, let us men take care of it. Foolish. Idiotes. Foolish. So what does Chloe do? And those in her household, let's write a letter to Paul. Let's notify Paul. You see? And it's not, you know, Chloe trying to curtail favor with Paul. No, Paul was with her. They were with the Lord. You see, same spirit, same spirit of the Lord. Unity, not just of the saints. Unity of the saints is beautiful. But unity among this 
remnant within a remnant. You see? How many times did you hear us? Remember in our study a couple weeks ago? Not just lights, but super lights. And not just super lights, super duper lights. Remember? That's how beautiful this separation is. Consecration. And these are things that Satan does not want you to comprehend. And so what does he do? He has nice little fellowships of babies. You see? Nice little fellowships of babies. But the remnant? He will fight tooth and nail for to prohibit fellowships from moving on to perfection. And you know what? He's quite effective. And he's winning. You see? It is prophesied that he will win to a certain degree. And in the last days, in the, he will prevail against the saints. It will be given unto him to prevail against the saints. Whoa. Does that mean Satan is victorious? You can look at it in one regard and say, okay, yeah, yeah, a little bit. But not ultimately. He knows exactly where he's going. He knows exactly where he's going. He's not victorious at the end. You see? But these things must happen in accordance to what the Word of God says. I'm not giving any any credence to Satan. But a lot of times people say, oh, I'm under demonic oppression. I'm being attacked by Satan. And I, I don't see it. I don't see it. It's not to have sympathy for the devil, but I don't see it. You know? Oh, I'm being attacked by Satan. Okay, tell me how, brother. Well, you know, I was high the other night and, you know, I did this stupid thing and this guy punched me in the face and he broke my jaw and, oh, it's just demonic oppression. What? That's demonic oppression? Now, you were punched in the face because of what you said. It, you know, you were a jerk and you were a jerk because you were given over to the crack. And what in the world? Why did you have a needle in your arm? Why did you even go? When your friend called you the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico, why did you even do that? Why did you even say, okay? You see, don't blame Satan. Blame yourself. Blame yourself. You see? Integrity. Let's be honest. Straight up. Let's be honest. Maybe you're a baby. And you're not ready to understand real spiritual warfare. Real demonic warfare. A real demonic attack. You see? And if you're listening for the first time, you might be like, what in the world? You have to you know, listen to our study through all of 1 Corinthians and then all of 2 Corinthians because you'll, you'll understand deeper. It's very important because there's a lot of babies in the churches today. A lot of babies that are not equipped for the fight, not just the fight on another side of town, not just a fight in another state, not just a fight in another part of the world, a fight that's right at your doorstep, a fight that is right in your face. Most Christians are ill-equipped. You see, it's strategic. It's part of Satan's strategy. You know, keep the Christians as babies. Keep the Christians as babies. Because all these lying wonders, it's going to brew. And then don't forget that the false prophet, the guy who's the right-hand man, so to speak, of the Antichrist, also empowered by Satan, he's going to draw fire down from heaven. And that's when real deception will come. I mean, you think the deception's bad? This is nothing. The deception today, this is this is tiddlywinks. This is tiddlywinks from what's coming down the pike. You see? And so 
Paul says here in verse 2, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, but I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold. He doesn't want to be bold. I mean, he's bold, but he doesn't want to be bold. He wants the saints of Corinth to be obedient. He wants the saints of Corinth to be so rendered unto the Lord. You say, wait a second, I thought this was the remnant. I thought they were, they, that they were already. Yes, but do you expect Satan to cease in his attacks? Do you expect Satan to cease and desist? No, he doesn't. It's an onslaught. I mean, I mean, you, you, you hear us say from time to time about matriculating in Christ, and, you know, preschool, kindergarten, grade one, two, three, four, five, moving on to perfection. Now, do you expect Satan to attack 10th graders? Do you expect Satan to attack 5th graders only? No. He's going to attack the preschoolers. He's going to attack first uh, graders. He's going to attack you when you're in preschool, first grade, second. He's going to attack he's going to attack you all the time. And since he's quite effective, a lot of people don't grow. They don't mature. A lot of people, be, you know, they're preschool, kindergarten, first grade, second, and they stop right, right, right around there. First grade, second grade, they're stuck in a 1 Corinthians 3 mentality instead of a 2 Corinthians 10 mentality. You see, most Christians don't make it this far. Remember, most Christians don't make it past 1 Corinthians 5. Most Christians don't make it past 1 Corinthians 8, 9, 10. Most Christians don't make it past 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. The gifting of the Holy Spirit. Look at the churches. Look at the things that are permitted in the churches. Remember speaking in tongues? Oh, we have 500 people in our fellowship. Look at the fruit of the Lord. Okay, 500 people. Oh, yes, 500 people. And all 500 are speaking in tongues. That's wrong. That's wrong. That is disorder. You see? But babies don't apply the word of God like they ought to. Oh, but my pastor says this is how we have to do it. Surprise, your pastor's a baby. Oh, but my pastor has this co-pastor. She's female. This pastor has a, the elder who's female. They're doing it wrong. Babies don't apply the formula properly. It's like saying, it's like having a baby do calculus. Doesn't work. Who's stupid? Oh, the baby's stupid. No, they're just a baby. They don't understand. Who's stupid? If you have a, if you put a baby in a calculus class, who's stupid? The baby's stupid. No, they're, yeah, they're stupid, but they're supposed to be their babies. You see? stupid you are because you put a baby in calculus you have to that baby needs to grow you know it's not to say that calculus isn't for that baby calculus might be but that baby needs to grow become an adult you know and do the classes all the prerequisites and then can do calculus you see they got the formula wrong and you say oh that's too hardcore too hardcore do you know how intense the fight is going to be? Do you know how intense the, the, the deception, how intense it's going to get? Knowing, remember the four categories of the last day's church? False, apostate, entering apostasy, or true. My desire is for all of us, myself included, is to remain in that true church. The 25%. You see? That's my desire. Now, among that 25%, don't forget the 50-50 split. Five are foolish, five are wise. You see, it's a narrow path. It's a narrow path. 
Oh, you're too rigid. You're such a legalist. You know, I've told you this before, but there was a time when I was talking to a guy. He was going to be a pastor. He wanted to be a pastor. And he was kind of like the, 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 the blessings from other pastors. And I've heard him give sermons before. And we're having this conversation, about a four-hour four conversation. It was really like three hours and 40 minutes, maybe 3.45. But it was a four-hour conversation. I'm rounding. And we're having this conversation, and he was explaining these. He was Reformed. He was a Calvinist. He was Reformed. Reformed theory, which is a theory. So he has Reformed, he's reformed theory, and he started explaining these things to me. And he's using all these big words. And a lot of our conversation, I'd say, like, pause. and be like, what do you mean by this? And he would explain, well, according to this dispensation, according to this, you know, whatever, this doohickey, this doohickey, whatever. And he using all these words. Like, what do you mean by that? And he would explain, okay, I get it. I get what you're saying, but that's not what the Bible says. That is not what the Bible says. And then, you know, have the Bible say, look, I'm looking at it right here and I'm showing you, this is what the Bible says. And we had this long conversation, almost like, you know, just going back and forth. Everything was cordial. And then finally, at the end, I just called him out. I said, look, the Jesus Christ, you know, that is, you're guilty of idolatry. Because the Jesus Christ that you're presenting is not the Jesus of the Bible. And he had a smile on his face, which was kind of odd. It kind of struck me like, it's not a time to smile. I just, point blank, you're presenting another Jesus. He smiled and he says, I'm the guy the Bible warns you about. That's what he told me. I'm the guy the Bible warns you about. Now, that's not to say, wow, look how awesome I am. No, no, I don't say this like that. I don't even know you. So it's like the majority of listeners, I have no idea who you are. I desire to know you. I want to know you. I love you. I'll pour into you. But I don't even know you. So there's no boasting in what I say. It's not to say, wow, look how cool this is. No. Look how terrifying this is. Look how terrifying this is for this individual to know who he is. But to hide himself to the saints. Even among pastors, when pastors would be, oh yeah, sure, you want to be a pastor? Okay, yeah, we'll give you our blessing. And you know, most people would say, Oh, you're too rigid. How dare you think that way? You're too rigid, you're being too mean-spirited. But look in this four-hour conversation, three hours and forty-five minutes, look at what was exposed when he smiled and says, I'm the guy the Bible warns you about. Look how terrifying this is for the lambs. Look how terrifying this is for the sheep. You see, that's what I'm talking about, about spiritual warfare. Most Christians are ill-equipped to understand these things. And because they're ill-equipped to understand these things, they are ill-equipped for the fight. You see, and Paul says here in verse two, I beg you that when I'm present, I may not be bold with that confidence or passion by which I intend to be bold, which is, you know, it translates as extremely bold, against some. Very interesting. Against some. So wait a second. I thought this was a remnant here in 2 Corinthians. Yes, absolutely. It's a remnant. But since we know that Satan He's not going to give up the fight. He's going to attack you in preschool, in kindergarten, in first grade, in second grade, in third grade, in fourth, fifth, sixth, high school. 
uh, higher learning, higher academia, he's going to attack you. And I, I'm speaking metaphysically. I'm not advocating higher academia in accordance to the world. But I am uh, advocating towards growth and maturity in Christ. But at every grade level, every single point, every single turn, Satan will be there. Not just to attack you. To kill you. To kill you. And not just kill you like, you know, like a stab. Like kill you, like shred you to pieces and kill you that way. He plays dirty. Now, since we know that this attack comes at multiple intervals, think at what can happen among the remnant. You see, think at what can happen. Yes, Second Corinthians, here in chapter 10, they're more mature. But that maturity can very quickly dwindle down to being babies once again, depending on the works of the flesh. Say you have this remnant here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Then all of a sudden, they start being influenced by former leaven. They start being influenced by what was going on in Corinth. Remember, Corinth is, you know, like, a, think of it like the hustle bustle society, like a New York City, uh, Las Vegas. Think of it like that. And yet you have these Christians among the Corinthians. If the Corinthians are influencing the church instead of the church influencing the Corinthians, we're going to have some problems. And we did have some problems in 1 Corinthians. We did have some problems. But these problems, it's they're going to persist. They will continue to persist. You see? It's not to say like, you know, you fight and give up the fight later. You can fight today and give up the fight later. No, it's a fight until we die it's a fight until the till the end. You see? He says in verse 2, I may not be bold with the confidence by which I intend to be bold or extremely bold against some. So even here, you're starting to see something is percolating in the church again. Something is percolating among this remnant. What is this? Who are these some? He says, who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. You see, according to the carnal nature, is Paul, Paul, you're, you're identifying Paul with the flesh, just walking according to the flesh. Understand, it's the leaven which say such things. Oh, Paul's crazy. How dare he say this? You, know, What does he mean? We can't fight. We're not equipped for spiritual warfare. What is he talking about? Why, why does he say, I can't give if I'm a baby? I can't tithe if I'm a baby? I can't give offerings? I, I, I can't give, you know, uh, this money? I can't. Look, it's a Christian thing to do. I want to give. I want to tithe. And he's saying, if I'm a baby, don't do it. Who is this Paul? What is he talking about? He's just saying these things. He's walking according to the flesh. Be careful with Paul. He's crazy. You see, Levin has a different mindset. Levin doesn't carry their cross. Levin doesn't reckon the old man dead or the old woman dead. That's the behavior traits of Levin. And what does Levin say of the worker, the godly worker? In accordance to what we study, you know, you, you hear us mentioned from time to time quite a bit in our study in Corinthians, you know, make the distinction between worker and field. Biblically speaking, I mean, biblically speaking, of course, but I meant like in accordance to the Bible, worker, these are special people. Male, female, young, old. Look at young Timothy. Young, old. 
Male, female, married people, unmarried people. You see, people had beef with Paul. Paul, he's so crazy. Look, he has these women here. Look, and Paul's like, look, what, what is it to you? There's, if you look at Priscilla and Aquila. You see, people say, oh yeah, women can't serve in this ministry. Women can't do this. Women can't do this. Women need to be submissive. Number one, women be submissive to Jesus Christ the same way a man has to be submissive to Jesus Christ. Now, if you're married, yes, be submissive to your husband. But when your husband is in some, himself in submission to Jesus Christ, your husband goes off into crazy town, you submit to Jesus Christ. Your husband is crazy. You have to be honest. Your husband is straight up crazy. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it is, your husband is crazy. Now, you submit to Jesus Christ. You hold on to your husband with one hand. You hold on to your kids with the other hand. You see? And in so doing, you save them. You're now the covering. You're now the covering for your home. You see? So many times, oh, women, submit to your husband, submit to your husband, which is a biblical truth, but they shave off certain parts of it. And so women, oh, I'm going to submit to my husband. And so the husband gets in, becomes a sex head, does his pornography, and watches his pornography and says, okay, wife, now you have to submit to me. You have to perform in bed like this. You have to perform and, do, and you defile your body. You need to use the unnatural use of the human body and you need to do it like this, like my sick mind sees on the computer and you need to do like this. And you have these wives, unsuspecting wives, led by stupid pastors who say, wives, submit to your husbands no matter what. And so the wives partake in these things, defiling themselves. And then the husband gets off worse in the crazy town, sexually, worse in the crazy town. And I could tell you things, whew, I could tell you things, divorces that have happened because of sick husbands and their evolving mind into depravity gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And their wives follow suit because they're submitting to the husband. And they, the two go off together. Crazy town, crazy town, crazy town, crazy town, crazy town. Divorce. You see? But instead, the wife should have submitted to Jesus Christ, her better husband. You see? And then hold on for dear life to the crazy town husband. You see? Spiritual warfare. Most Christians don't make it this far. And I, I don't say that like boastfully. I don't boast in this. It's sad. It kills me because the fight is in our face. The fight is at our doorstep. And if a Christian is ill-equipped, if a Christian is a baby and ill-equipped for the fight, they're going to lose. You see? And then Christians blame Satan. Oh, I'm under Satan. Satan's attack. Satan is attacking me. I don't see Satan. I don't see Satan. I mean, sometimes I do. Very rarely. Very rarely. Most of the time, I see the works of the flesh. You see? And so, these people who are mm, starting to be revealed, they think of Paul and this holy bubble. They think of Paul and this holy bubble, Paul's entourage. They think of them as though they walk according to the flesh. But they don't walk according to the flesh. But yet Paul says this in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, not according to, though we walk in the flesh, understand that we're in these earth suits. You and me, we're in these earth suits. And yes, we walk in the flesh. I mean, we're in a corrupt state right now in these earth suits of ours. But there is coming a time, remember our study in 1 Corinthians 15? There is coming a time when the corrupt will put on incorruption. 
the mortal will put on immortality. You see, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. We do not war, which is a military campaign. It's to, it's to contend in war and it's the actual fight. We do not war according to the flesh. You see? Yes, we're in these earth suits, but we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, our warfare, speaking of the Christian fight, but then also remember, make the distinction between the field and the worker. There is a Christian fight for all of us. What happens? It's the that uh, the, the war within the uh, 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 the kinetic warfare within, but externally, the non kinetic warfare is spiritual. It's it's all spiritual, but I'm talking about more demonic when we come against the demonic, or when the demonic comes against us, when the demonic comes against you. You see, because the battle for every single Christian is within. You see, externally, when when your new wineskin and new wine is filling you, it's like an automatic arming. You're becoming more equipped. You're having these deeper understandings. And you're being, being equipped by the word of God, by the power of his spirit, you're being equipped. Now, when you don't have that, if you're under the tutelage of a a baby pastor, when you're under the tutelage of a hireling, when you're under the tutelage of a wolf, you won't have that. You will not have that. That's not the formula, you see. But understand the weapons of our warfare, which there's the Christian fight, but then there's the fight of the worker as well, which we see a lot in the book of Acts. The fight of the worker. Demonic. Things demonic. Against things demonic. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God or powerful in God. You see? For pulling down strongholds. How this translates in the Greek is to violently destroy and demolish strongholds, fortifications, castles, and arguments. I love this. I love this. Now, I don't want to lord over your faith. I don't want to lord over you in any way, shape, or form. But highlight this. In verse 4, the weapons of our warfare, warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And note this too, that how this translates for pulling down strongholds is to violently destroy and demolish strongholds, fortifications, castles and arguments violently now i'm not saying this in accordance to adam i'm not saying this in accordance to adam remember the weapons of our warfare they're not carnal but 2004 fallujah fallujah 2004 do you know how dangerous it is for a person to walk down the street in 2004 fallujah you know how dangerous and 10 seconds you'll be dead if you're female, 10 seconds, you'll be raped, you see, and then dead. Yeah, 10 seconds, you'll be raped, and then 20 seconds, you'll be dead. You know how dangerous it is to walk in 2004 Fallujah? Now, yes, dangerous. But in order to survive on the streets of 2004 Fallujah, you know what needs to happen? You need to be dangerous. You need to be dangerous. 
You see, same concept. Exact same concept. Spiritually speaking, but the exact same concept. You need to be dangerous. Yes, there's this dangerous world that the demonic things, satanic, it's coming to our face. It's right in our face. It's coming to our schoolrooms. It's coming to the, you know, the libraries where they do the, the, the story hour and they do all kinds of craziness with story, with children. Sexual things. It's coming. The sexual things that are being taught to kindergartners, preschooler, in public school. The things that are being taught, the things that are on TV. The things that are every it's in our faces, it's everywhere. And you know, look at the rise of drug use, drug addictions. I was reading an article recently about you know the deaths caused from fentanyl. It's the most it's ever been. It's on the rise and it's increasing, which tells me what? Which tells us what? Pharmakia. Pharmakia, sorcery, drug use, being given over to things demonic. That's on the right. Statistically, the, the, these are things that we can read about in the news. Pharmakia in the last days. Things demonic. Right in our face. Right to your doorstep. You see? But are you dangerous? Are you a baby? Or are you dangerous? Are you lethal? You see? And I speak spiritually. If you're listening, you're like... What in the world is this guy talking about? I thought, you know, I, 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 I'm not even a Christian. I was wondering about this. And I, 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 I thought this was going to be like the, the rose petals. You know, I, I wanted that. Well, yes, we can have that. We can, it's not to say that you can't have the rose petals. Yes, we can have the rose petals. It's a blessings of obedience. We do have the rose petals. It's not a bad thing to desire these things. But also know that Satan wants to violently kill you. He wants to violently destroy you. He is going to the lake of fire and he knows that. He knows that. And he wants to drag you with him. Straight up. You, your spouse, your beautiful little children. You, be, you might have a 20-year-old kid. Your beautiful daughter who's in college. Your beautiful son who's in college. Your beautiful son who has his family. Your beautiful daughter who just gave birth to her first child. Your beautiful daughter who's, you know, just was freshly born yesterday. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Satan wants her dead. Satan wants to kill your little boys. See, your little girls. He wants to kill and not just kill like a, a knife. He wants to rip them to shreds. You see, that's what he wants to do. The father of lies, who was a murderer from the beginning. You see, but who's ready? Who's ready? No, the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, for violently to destroy and violently demolish strongholds, fortifications, castles, and arguments. Now, do you remember our study in the book of Acts? Turn with me really quick to Acts 19. Acts 19. And in Acts 19, we see this. In verse 11, you say, oh, you're too hardcore. It's such too mean spirit. I'm, I'm just going to continue listening to, you know, whatever. I'm just going to continue. No, listen, the fight is right at your doorstep. It's going to get worse. This is nothing. The things that we're experiencing now in these last days is this is nothing. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. 
Oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to go over here. I'm going to go over there. You know what the Bible says? You know, Israel did that. You know, they flee the lion. Oh, look, we're safe from the lion. Look, we're safe from the lion. Boom, eaten by a bear. You see, no, this is in our faces everywhere you go. And chapter 19, verse 11 in the book of Acts. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. You say, wait a second. Wow, those are indeed unusual miracles. Well, it thus fulfills what the Bible says, unusual miracles. Now, these blasphemers of the Holy Spirit, what they say in these last days, oh, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. That was for another dispensation. That was for 2,000 years ago. Where? Where does the Bible say there's an expiration date on the on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the moving of the Holy Spirit? You see? Look at what happens here in verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jews, some of the itinerant Jews, Jewish exorcists, took it upon themselves. You see? They thought, oh, you know what? We want to try this out. They took it upon themselves. You know how many people take it upon themselves? Instead of yielding to the word of God yielding to the Holy Spirit in submission to the Lord. If the Lord calls a person into a certain ministry, that's one thing. But when somebody takes it upon themselves, look what happens here. Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord. It's like walking through Fallujah. Instead of being dangerous, oh, I'm going to walk through, look, I saw this guy walk through Fallujah. I'm going to walk through Fallujah too. Well, this guy was dangerous. Look, I'm going to walk through Fallujah. This lady, she did it. Well, she, this lady was dangerous. Look, I'm going to walk through Fallujah too. All of a sudden, 10 seconds later, dead. 20 seconds later, dead. Look what happens. They took it upon themselves in verse 13 to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, we exercise you by the, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. You see, no personal relationship. They're, they're invoking the name of Jesus Christ, but it's, you know, the, 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 the Jesus whom Paul preaches. No personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see? You know, wolves, who, you know, in the last days, shepherds, so-called shepherds, will become wolves. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Zero relationship with Jesus Christ. You see? Because if they did have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they would be obedient to his word. But wolves, hirelings, they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What do they take upon themselves? Since they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, do you think they're obeying his word? Do you think they even dared to obey his word? No, they don't. They're deceivers, which will grow, which will be on the increase in the last days, presenting another gospel, another Jesus. Not the Jesus of the Bible. You see? Idolatry. And so... They took it upon themselves to call in the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. Saying, no, acknowledging that, yes, there are all these people who have evil spirits. Yes, the fight is real. Yes, the fight. These people have the evil spirits. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, let's take it upon ourselves. And we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Acknowledging that, yes, there's a problem. There's these evil spirits. But they were ill-equipped. Ill-equipped. In verse 14, also there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirits answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who in the world are you guys? Who in the world are you? 
You see? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. You see, they were ill-equipped. Oh, this guy walked through Fallujah. I'm going to do it too. This lady walked through Fallujah. I'm going to do it too. That guy, that girl, they were dangerous. They were dangerous. They were equipped. Harm would come, no big deal. Harm would come on the left flank, right flank, no big deal. Why? Because these guys were deadly. Oh, I'm going to walk through Fallujah too. I'm going to walk through Fallujah too. Dead. Just say, the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. You see, ill-equipped. Not even equipped. You see? Now, understanding this aspect of spiritual warfare, going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says in verse 5, Casting down, which is again to violently destroy and demolish strongholds, fortifications, castles, arguments. Now, remember, Paul says, in presence, in presence, I'm lowly among you. Remember verse 1? When I'm with you guys, I'm just going to sit here in the chair. When I'm with you guys, I'm going to go in another room. I'll just be in another room by myself. Oh, are you going to go watch TV? No way. No TV in here. I'm going to be on my face before the Lord. I'm going to be you guys. Have your fun, have your whatever, have your fellowship, but I'm going to be here praying for you. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know and just, you know, let me just go in here and don't say anything. I'm just going to be in here and I'm going to be praying. Don't tell anybody. You guys have a good old time. You see? And Paul's there on his face praying. Lowly, lowly among them, but bold in being courageous into them, the remnant of Corinth. And yet, it's like, wait a second. So he's humble, but then at the same time, he's speaking about violence. Or, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And you're telling me that translates is to violently destroy and demolish strongholds, fortifications, castles, and arguments? Yes, absolutely. You see? Violent environments, and Paul is violent. Spiritually speaking, dangerous environment, and Paul is dangerous. Yes, Paul. Also Chloe, also Phoebe, also Achilla, also Priscilla, also Lydia. Remember beautiful Liddy? My girl, you see? Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. Non-defunct. Not like the sons of Siva. And Paul says here in verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself, you see, exalts itself, self-exaltation. And in this self-exaltation, which is, you know, there are satanic aspects to that, satanic aspect, aspects of this self-exaltation. Turn with me really quick to Isaiah chapter 14, Isaiah 14. And in Isaiah 14, it is written, By the vessel Isaiah, a prophet of the Lord. Isaiah 14, verse 12, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations! Exclamation point. For you have said in your heart, very interesting, how God knows 
the thoughts of angels too. He knows your thoughts. He knows my thoughts and even the thoughts of angels. And he knew the thoughts of Lucifer, son of the morning. And what were the thoughts of Lucifer? Son of the morning, he says, I will ascend into heaven. You see, these are the five I wills of Satan. The five I wills. Remember Jesus Christ in the garden of Gethsemane? He didn't say, I will. He says, Father, take this cup from me. But yet, not my will. He says, thy will. Thy will, Father. Complete and total submission to our Father in heaven. Hallowed be his name. But not so with Lucifer, son of the morning. The five I wills of Lucifer, he says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That's what Lucifer says. Exalting himself. Self-exaltation. This is the end of Lucifer's thoughts. And in verse 15, this is what Almighty God says. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. You see? Self-exaltation. The demonic, the, the demonic uh, aspect of self-exaltation. Pride. Pride. You see? The selfie generation. Me, 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 me. It's all about me, 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 me. Victim mentality. Oh, it's all about me, 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 me. Self-exaltation. You see? Satan knows the Bible. He knows how to make mankind fall. And he's very patient. You see? And he doesn't mind Christians who are babies. He doesn't like Christians being Christians. But he doesn't mind the baby. Because what threat is a baby? If if I if I told you, and I said this before, but if I told you one year from now, we're going to start our training. But one year from now, I mean, you're going to enter the cage match. And we're going to close the gate. And you're going to have your opponent. And you just go out five minutes, full brawl. And you're like, whoa, who is my opponent? And he's a little two-year-old. You don't even have to train. Piece of cake. Little, little flick of the finger. Bing, gone. No threat whatsoever. Babies aren't a threat. You see? Babies are not a threat. And that's how Satan views baby Christians. Because look at Corinth. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Yes, acknowledge, the acknowledgement. Yes, they're saints. But they're babies on milk. And then you get into chapter 5. Look at the works of the flesh inside that church. The sex, the drugs, the extortion, the alcohol, the, all these different things. Look at the works of the flesh. You know what that shows us? No power in the church. And if there's no power in the church, what impact could they have on Corinth? You see? Well, Satan can have his way in Corinth. Because there's no opposition from babies. You see? But now to the remnant... 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is explaining, this is the fight, you guys. This is the fight. Which is, you know, you don't have to seek this fight. This fight will come right to your face. Will you be ready? You see? He doesn't say these things in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 to babies. 
No, he says it to the remnant, those who are more mature, those who are moving on to perfection, those who are reckoned the old woman dead, the old man dead, those who are carrying their cross, those who are moving on to perfection, those who are crucified with Christ. And now going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, speaking about this, the weapons of our warfare, which are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments is from verse 5, and every high thing that exalts itself. That exalts itself, which is satanic implications, against the knowledge of God. You see, because what impact could Corinth? Ha what impact could the Church of Corinth have on the city of Corinth? You see, well, when they're babies, when they're babies, when you know everybody's going to their therapy sessions. Oh, Pastor, we have this problem. We need to have our counseling session. And instead of the pastor saying, okay, let's have the counseling session and having a five-minute talk with them, a five-minute talk with them, what's the problem? Oh, look, you know, look, there's all this sex going on in my home. There's all this sex. Okay, well, that's sin and you need to repent. And if you don't repent, then, you know, you're going to burn in hell. Oh, what's this? what do you mean I'm going to burn in hell? Well, look, look, you've been a Christian. You've been here for three years. You haven't been uh, applying the word of God and the, the hardening of your heart. And if the hardening of your heart comes, it's called the deceitfulness of sin. And in the, the deceitfulness of sin, you can fall away from Christ. Oh, but I, you know, I'm from this other town and the guy told me once saved, always saved. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. What do you mean that's not what the Bible says? Well, Let's turn to Luke really quick, and I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 8. If you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 8. And in Luke chapter 8, we read this in verse 13, But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while. You see, short-term believer. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. You see? Fall away. In time of temptation. So it's not once saved, always saved. It is entirely possible to fall away for a believer to become unbelieving. You see? Oh, but I have eternal security in Christ. Praise the Lord. Make your call and election sure. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see? The defunct pastors of Corinth Oh, I need a counseling session. I need a counseling session. Okay, come on. Let's have a counseling session. But are you going to whisper sweet nothings? No, you have, to you have to teach the truth. Oh, but truth hurts. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. Remember Acts? I mean, look at Acts. In Acts. In Acts. Um, Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. Hearing the words of Brother Stephen, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. You see? It hurts. Truth hurts. They were cut to the heart. But when they were cut to the heart, the Bible says, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. You see? That's how they responded when they were cut to the heart. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, verse... 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. You see, that's what truth does. It cuts to the heart, deep down to the bone inside the marrow. 
It cuts to the heart. And they said to Peter, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? One group was cut to the heart and they gnashed at Stephen. They killed him. This other group, they were also cut to the heart at both, both groups hearing truth. Except they said, what do we do? What do we do about it? In verse 38, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, repent, 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 repent. Old Testament, New Testament, repent, repent, repent. If you're a non-believer and you're listening, you've made it this far, <laughs> and you're listening, and you feel that conviction, oh, I don't like how this guy says this, I'm cut to the heart. Praise the Lord that you're cut to the heart because I was cut to the heart too. I know what that feels like. It doesn't feel good. Do you want to gnash at me with your teeth? Do you want to kill me? Or in your heart of hearts, do you ask of me, what shall I do? You know what you do? Repent. Repent. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, if that's you and you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ, or if you're playing games with the Lord, you're lukewarm and you don't want to be vomited out, as, as he says, you need to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. Hit pause right here, right now, and listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you do exactly what is, you know, there's a, a, a the sinner's prayer. You say that prayer. You say that prayer. You commit your life to Jesus Christ right here, right now. I don't care about your past. You commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you listen. You're born again. You continue listening. Come back and listen to the message. And then we grow in Christ. We grow in Christ. We mature in Christ. And we'll continue along in our journey unto paradise. Unto paradise. And we grow. We mature. We learn how to fight. And we fight. And we also go, we also go fishing. You see, that's what truth does. Truth hurts. It does cut to the heart. But praise be to the Lord, because in order for truth to go into a heart, it needs to be cut. It needs to be cut. You see, and that's what the word of God does, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. For just as 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing Every thought, this is the discipline of the Christian worker, the, the discipline of the Christian, but even more so for the Christian warrior, warrior, bringing every thought into captivity, which translates as like a prisoner of war, literally prisoner of war, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Not just, you know, 10% of your thoughts, not 30% of your thoughts, not 60% of your thoughts are good and 40% of your thoughts are wicked. No, every single thought. Bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's the discipline of the warrior. Discipline. In order for this to happen, discipline is required. The works of the flesh, behaving as babies, that's undis Do you expect discipline from a two-year-old? Maybe a little bit in one little regard. But do you expect discipline from a one-year-old, a two-year-old, three-year-old? No. In order for discipline to be applied, that child needs to grow and mature. 
And then such a child can apply discipline in his or her life and grow and move on to perfection. And when that discipline is applied in his or her her life by his choosing, by her choosing, a lot of kids are like, yeah, they're they're disciplined. They they, they surrender to their parents. They submit to their parents. But it's only until they're 18. And then as soon as they're 18, boom, I'm out of here. I've talked to these kids. I'm out of here. Why are you so eager to leave? I hate my family. I hate being under this. I don't like it. I hate it. Why do you hate it? You hate the Lord? No, I don't hate the Lord. I hate the hypocrisy I see. I hate the hypocrisy I see. I don't like how my dad says this in public. He speaks like he's an angel. But we go home and he's a disgusting, wicked person. I don't like it. I want nothing to do with Christianity. Listen, if that were Christianity, I would want nothing to do with that as well. That's not Christianity. That's disobedience. That's wickedness. Exemplified by Good old daddy. Exemplified by good old mama. Undisciplined. They're babies. You're more mature than them. Oh, but I'm only 13 years old. I'm only 14. I'm only 15. And you're telling me I'm more mature than my parents who are 40, 50, 60. Yes, absolutely. Because you have maturity in Christ. Don't do those things. Don't do those things. Don't give up. You're a victim. Yes. But you're victim of stupidity. You see? A victim of stupidity. Oh, that's kind of mean. Okay, I'll I'll say it. I'll say it like Paul says. You're a victim of the idiotes. Idiots. You see? They're babies. They don't have this understanding. Don't walk away. Don't fall away. And if you're a young teenager, maybe you're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. So eager to leave so that you can get out of this hypocrisy. Number one, I get it. I completely get it. But don't blame Jesus Christ. Don't blame Jesus Christ. Blame those. Blame the the offenders. Blame them. Don't blame Jesus Christ. There's a lot of hypocrisy in the church. A lot of carnality in the church. But don't blame Jesus Christ. He's the author of perfection. You say, wait a second. If he's the author of perfection... And these guys, my mommy and my daddy, they believe in Jesus Christ. Why don't I see perfection? Why don't I see moving on to perfection? Well, they're babies. That's why. Babies, they've attempted to raise you and they failed. You see, don't walk away. Don't fall away. You hold on to Jesus Christ. You commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ and let's fight. You see, let's be equipped. Let's roll around on the mat. Let's train how to fight so that we can walk on the streets of Fallujah. Metaphysically speaking, 2004 Fallujah. So that we can walk on this. Yes, it's a dangerous environment. Yes, it's dangerous and, you know, death can happen, but it's not going to happen. Why? Because we're deadly. In Christ, metaphysically speaking. You see? And we're going to go fishing too. We got all these weapons of our warfare. We got fishing poles too. We're going to go fishing because there's fish here. Oh, but danger. It's at my door. It's at my door. I understand. Praise the Lord. We don't have to travel. Praise the Lord. We don't have to travel. It's right here in our face. You see? And so let's look at verse six here. And being ready to punish all disobedience. Now, carnal Ministry leaders, carnal ministry leaders, babies, wolves, hirelings, they like this. 
being ready to punish all disobedience. They like this. You see, they like the authority and they get the authority. They go, they go on a power trip. Being ready to punish all disobedience. Oh, look, I'm a pastor. I call the shots. Well, pastor, they treat pastor like it's biblically speaking. Pastor, yes, there's a title of a pastor, but the behavior has to match. The walk has to match. You can't just wear a badge on your chest that says pastor, head pastor, co-pastor, elder number one, elder number two, you know. That's carnal. But carnal ministry leaders, pastors and elders, they like verses like this because they think it permits them to go on a power trip. But when you have babies serving in this capacity or hirelings in this capacity or wolves in this capacity, it's not just dangerous for them. It's dangerous for the sheep, dangerous for the lambs. And if those lambs and sheep go astray on account of the disobedience of a pastor, of the so-called shepherd, that shepherd, without repentance, will burn in hell. You see? And I say that specifically to the pastors listening, to the elders listening. Count the cost. Let not many be teachers. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I love this so much. Because for the ministry leaders, you first. You first. Being ready to punish all disobedience, he says, when your obedience is fulfilled. You see? The fellowship, the, the saints, they need to... Obey, they need to obey what Paul is saying. Not Paul like being, you know, not to deify Paul, but understand that Paul is a vessel of the Lord. Remember, like we studied the church, the saints in Macedonia in chapter 8, verse 5. They they first gave themselves to the Lord. This is first 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. They speaking about the Macedonian. Remember the Macedonian example? They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Now, if you're a pastor. This isn't to lord over saints. You watch over saints. You care for their souls. And in some cases, more than they care for their own souls. In a lot of cases, more than they care for their own souls. Because they're babies. They're babies. They don't understand these. The Lord, if you're a pastor and the Lord has called you, the Lord specifically has called you. The Lord is using you to shepherd these people to deeper understandings, to equip them, and to make them dangerous, metaphysically speaking, but to make them dangerous so that they can be equipped for these battles, for these fights. You see, the next generation of righteousness, yes, but that next generation of righteousness, there's going to be some that are going to be future pastors, future elders, future deacons, future bishops. Not for the sake of the title, no, in order for the title to be there, the walk has to be there. The walk has to be evident. The fruit must be evident. You see? And so we see here in chapter 10, 2 Corinthians, being in verse 6, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You see? Can't be a hypocrite. It's not for carnal pastor to say, okay, yes, you see, I'm gonna I'm gonna punish you guys. No, it's not nothing like that at all. No. The, the pastor cannot be a hypocrite. 
The pastor, no planks in the pastor's eye. Remember, only the crucified can correct. They watch out for your souls. Pastors, they watch out for your soul. I mean, if you're lamb and sheep and you're listening, pastors, godly pastors, you have to be a Berean to know who they are. You have to be a Berean. Because if you're a baby, you can be take, you can be suckered for anything if you're a baby. But when you're a Berean, you can listen to a sermon and be like, wow, this guy's crazy. Or are you walk into a church and you have no idea who the pastor is and the pastor walks out and it's, oh, the, the lady starts speaking. I'm Pastor Jennifer. You walk right out because that's not the formula. That's not the formula. So don't submit yourself to that teaching. You see? Only the crucified can correct. In verse 7, do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. You see? So you wait, so you read this and you're like, wait a second. I thought I thought Corinth was mature. I thought they were moving on to perfection. I thought they were the remnant. Yes, they're the remnant. So why, why is Paul being this bold then? Why is, if, if, you know, do you look at things, in verse 7, do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone, if anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. Why is Paul being this bold? Understand, remember, at any time, in any stage, Satan will attack. Whether you're 2 years old or 20 years old. Satan will attack. And yes, that's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous environment. But in order for that to happen, you have to be dangerous. In order to survive in that environment, you have to be dangerous. You see? You're a parent. Oh, but my one-year-old, my two-year-old, my three-year-old is dangerous here in Fallujah. Okay. Then mama and papa, two dangerous individuals flanking the children and it is safe for the children you see but now you have mama and papa who are babies themselves and what's going to happen the mama and papa are not dangerous what's going to happen to the babies you see 10 seconds dad dead 20 seconds wife dead 10 more seconds kids dead you see boom don't even make it two yards in fallujah 2004 fallujah you see, you say, oh, I don't like how you say these things. It's too violent. Look at the homes. Look at the homes of Christians. And you're telling me my words are violent? You're telling me my speech is violent? Look at the homes of Christians. And in some cases, I could say so-called Christians. Look at the homes. Where you see second marriages, Third marriage? Oh, I'm sorry that your wife died. No, she's still alive. We had irreconcilable differences. That's not the formula. You see? Repentance, repentance. Remember? All the the all the animals in the priesthood so that they could be wealthy? No way. No, for a lot of blood to atone for the a lot of sin. A lot of trespass. Same thing in the church. A lot of sin. A lot of trespass. The deceitfulness of sin. You see, repent, repent, repent. Look at Christian homes. You don't like my speech? You think, think I speak too violently? Look at Christian homes. The marriages, the sex, the pornography, the prostitutes. 
the, you know, husbands who, oh, I'm going to work late tonight, babe. And, you know, come back home with the STDs because they've been, you know, three prostitutes going to the strip clubs, doing disgusting things, doing their drugs. Kids who are doing things of the occult. You see, kids who, you know, they're in accordance to Adam, they have this level of immaturity. They don't know how to cope with these things. They don't know how to understand these things. You know, I've had conversations with teenagers. I can't wait to get out of my home. They say, I can't wait till I'm 18 because I'm out of here. Why? Because my parents, they're crazy. Yes, your parents are crazy, but they're babies. But look, my dad and my mom, they're on their second, third marriage. They do their drugs. They do their alcohol. They do their sex. My dad's over here. My mom's over here. They do all these things. And I hate it. I can't stand it. I can't stand it either. Do you think the Lord can stand it? Do you think he can stand it? Do you think it's, you think it's okay with him? It's not okay with him. They are disobedient. They are disobedient. And you tell me my speech is crazy. You tell me my speech is violent. Oh, I don't like how you speak this way. Look at the homes. Look at the homes that are being destroyed by Satan, the demonic attacks. Look at the homes that are being destroyed. And you tell me I'm violent. You tell me my speech is violent. I've had parents tell me, I don't like how you speak like this. I don't like how you speak to this. I'm in, I'm in their house for like five minutes. I see on the TV. You, you watch the, you sub, subject your children to the, the this filth you see on TV. And you don't like the way I speak. You see? Crazy. Crazy. We're being seduced. The church is being seduced. It's, it's prophesied to happen. And people will fall. Christians will fall. The great falling away is what the Bible says. The apostasy. You see? A defection. Defection. You know, like the, uh, a Russian defects to America. Or now you have the you know, Americans defecting to China now. A defection away from, not China, not Russia, not America. A defection away from truth. It's prophesied to happen. It is happening. And it will continue to happen. And it will grow worse and worse and worse and worse. Where are the fighters? Where are the warriors? Where are the ones who violently destroy and demolish strongholds, fortifications, castles, and arguments? Where are the ones who can walk through Fallujah? Not two yards. The whole way through on from one side to the other side because they are violent. Spiritually speaking. And so, in verse 8, for even if I should boast somewhat more, <laughs> even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, you see, this, the, the authority of Paul, it's not Paul saying, hey, I, I, I think I'm equipped for this, so I'm going to do this. I, I, I want to feel good about myself, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to take it upon myself. No, this is Paul in obedience to the Lord where the Lord says, hey, Paul. This is what I want you to do. You are my vessel, Paul. Just like the Lord said to Isaiah, Isaiah, you are my vessel. Remember Amos? Beautiful, beautiful Amos. I'm no prophet nor the son of a prophet. What does the Lord say? Amos, surprise, you're a prophet. You see? There are biblical qualifications. 
You see, biblical qualifications for pastoral leadership, biblical qualifications for ministry leadership, biblical qualifications for uh, elder leadership, biblical qualifications. Now, where those are not met, well, it impacts the work. You see, people are, oh, you know, it's all about the work of the Lord, the work of the Lord. Okay, that's, don't forget about the Lord of the work. Never, ever, ever forget about the Lord of the work. Look at the Lutherans. Look at the Episcopals. We see it. We see it. Corinth has come into the church. What happens with the church? Where's the power? There is no power. It's humanitarian. Remember we studied that a couple weeks ago? Last week even. It's humanitarian. It's for the sake of humanity. What about the souls? What about the souls? You see? Dangerous. And this authority, which Paul says here in verse 8, which the Lord gave us, you see? That, so there are biblical qualifications for leadership, but they're called by the Lord. They're called by the Lord. Tasked by the Lord for edification. Now, edification here in the Greek Translates to building, yes. And a lot of times people say, oh, for building up, for building up. But it translates in the Greek for building, yes. But it's home, family, temple, or architecture and building. So a lot of times people say, oh, yeah, it's edify. It's to build up. So I'm going to build you up. I'm going to build you up. Well, that's a, that's a little too patty cake for me. That's a little too patty cake for me because you have the world that wants to build up. But build up into what? What building? What building? In accordance to whose blueprints? Because if I'm going to build up in accordance to Dr. Spock, I'm not going to get holiness. If I'm going to build up in accordance to Oprah, you're not going to get holiness in accordance to the word. You're not going to get biblical righteousness. If you're going to build up in accordance to, you know, whatever faction, if you're going to build up in accordance to whatever zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, you're not going to get righteousness. You might get a nice guy. You might get a nice girl, but they're still crazy. You know, oh, yeah, this, this guy, he's a nice guy, but he's still a crackhead. Oh, this is a nice guy, but, you know, he's still a sex head. Because... Building up in accordance to what? Sometimes Christians, we get it wrong. This edification. No, this edification, yes, it's for building up. But specifically for architecture and building of the home, family, and temple. Remember the blueprints that Moses, that the Lord gave Moses in the cloud? Remember our study through Exodus? The blueprints? The Lord's blueprints. You see, it's the Lord's blueprints. Moses comes down from the mountain with Joshua, his assistant, and sees all kinds of different messes, and he didn't give up. He wasn't like, oh, Lord, you made a mistake, and Saul, hey, we're, we're, we're just going to go over here, and these people are crazy. No, let's go to work. Let's go to work. Come on, Joshua. Let's go to work. You see? Now, there was judgment that happened, but everything in obedience to the Lord. Everything in obedience to the Lord. 
Moses as a vessel, Moses as a servant in the Lord's house, as we study in the book of Hebrews. He says for edification and not for your destruction, you see. Now, the leaven would say otherwise. The leaven was all... I've been, I used to go to that church. I used to go there. I was there for three years. And you know what? I, I was a sex head. And three years deep, I'm still a sex head. I used to go to that church in Corinth. I used to go there for three years. I was a, a, a crack kid, the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. And three years deep, I'm still a crack kid from Chiapas, Mexico. Well, Levin would say otherwise. Not for your destruction, Paul says. Remember, he's speaking to the remnant. Now, if you're a crackhead, if you're a sexhead, if you're a non-believer, I don't care about your past. I don't care about the sex, the drugs. I, don't, I could care less, but I care about your future. You need to repent and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. But if you're a Christian and you're a baby, and you have to be straight up with yourself. You have to acknowledge these things and repent and let us move on to perfection. You see, Paul says, I shall not be ashamed. How it translates in the Greek, he says, I am absolutely not ashamed. You see, that's the, that's the danger behind leaven in a fellowship. Now, if you're leaven in a fellowship, don't be leaven because that's not good. You're not a blessing to your pastor. You know, don't be leaven. Reckon the old man dead. Reckon the old woman dead. Don't be a discouragement to your pastor. Be a blessing to your pastor and listen to him because he's now you have to be a Berean. You know, if, if he's a wolf, the only way you'll know he's a wolf, he's a hireling, he's a baby. The only way you'll know is by being a Berean. Now, if it's identified that your pastor is one of those, get a new pastor, get a new pastor. If he's a sex head, the drugs, the alcohol, that's hypocrisy. You do not want to be under that tent. Don't be under that covering because it's dangerous for you and your family. Definitely for him, but he made his choice. But if your pastor teaches the word of God and pours into you, courageously pours into you, he's there for you, to help you so that you can grow and mature. You see? He's there for you. Paul says, I shall not be ashamed. Imagine if, if there was no separation and Paul were saying these things. Oh, how dare Paul say that? How dare Paul say that? The leaven would have room to make Paul feel ashamed. Not to say that Paul would be ashamed, but they would have room to attempt to make him feel ashamed. Oh, Paul, look, you're, you're hurting their feelings. Paul, look, how dare you? Look, this guy is having sex with his dad's wife. No big deal. God is love. No big deal. Having sex with his mother-in-law. No big deal. Okay. Look, they're having sex. Look, they're, they're good friends. They're married, but yeah, it's no big deal. Just a little sex. It's just a little crack. No big deal. You know, just a little Satanism. Just a little Luciferianism. No big deal. Come on, Paul. God is love. Is Paul going to feel ashamed? And what he's doing in obedience to the Lord, is Paul going to feel ashamed? Paul says, no. He says, I'm absolutely not ashamed because he knows he's in obedience to the Lord. No, this separation needs to happen. It's, it's for your edification, remnant. It's for your edification, remnant. It's not for your destruction. It could be that this leaven who's no longer here, it could be that they're going on to destruction. 
But it might be that in their state of being outside the camp, that they might repent. And when that happens, bring them back inside the camp. That's what's written in earlier chapters of 2 Corinthians. Bring them back. You see? Most Christians never make it this far. Because they're under the tutelage of little babies. Pastors, they got the title. But they don't have the qualifiers, biblical qualifiers. They got the title, all right. They got the parking spot. They get all the likes and the whatevers on social media. They get all the little thumbs up, the little smiley face. A lot of, you know, they're an influencer. Biblically speaking, they don't got the goods. You see? He says in verse 9, Lest I seem to terrify you by letters. <laughs> that's a terrifying, First Corinthians, that's a terrifying letter. That's what Paul said, lest I seem to terrify you by letters. That's a, First Corinthians, especially chapter 5, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. Because Paul says, okay, separate. These people don't want to move on to perfect. These people want to stay babies, not just for like two months, five months, eight months, three years deep, and you want to stay babies, okay? Remnant, it's time to separate. Your rejoicing isn't good. You see? Now, in verse 10, quote, for his letters, unquote, for his letters, they say. Interesting. Who are these people who are being exposed? Who are these people? For his letters, they say, quote again, are weighty and powerful. His letters are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak without strength, strengthless. And his speech, contemptible, you see? Contemptible, worthy of scorn and disdain. Who are these people? Who are these, they say? For his letters are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. You see? Who are these people? Leaven. Leaven can form at any given time. When a person refuses, when a person refuses to walk according to the Spirit, leaven can creep up at any time. First grade, second grade, third, fourth, among a fellowship, but inside of a heart, inside your heart or inside my heart, we're in the same boat. Leaven can creep up at any time, and that's the danger behind walking according to the flesh. But when we walk according to the Spirit, that's beautiful. It's like that running water. Remember the Old Testament in Leviticus? Running water, running water, living water. You see, through Leviticus. How beautiful is to see these congruity with our studies through the Old Testament and New Testament. Because remember, same God. I never change, saith the Lord. That's why, you know, you hear us mention from time to time, you know, I want, there's that saying, you know, we're sinners saved by grace. We're sinners saved by grace. And yes, in absolute truth, we are sinners saved by grace. But I wonder if people use that as a cop-out. I wonder if people use that as a cop-out to excuse their sin. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but we're sinners saved by grace. So I'm just going to do a little crack here. I'm just going to go to the strip club over here. I'm just going to do my little little crack from Chiapas, Mexico. I'm going to worship Buddha. I'm going to do these things of the occult, my Ouija boards. I'm going to go gambling. I'm going to go to the casino. I'm going to do all these things. Oh, we're sinners saved by grace. 
Yes, it is true we're sinners saved by grace, but never, ever, ever, ever use your freedom in Christ as license for sin. Otherwise, being a sinner saved by grace, that's just a cop-out. It's a cop-out statement. So who is this, they say? Who is this, they say? Leaven can creep up at any time. Yes, we're... 2 Corinthians chapter 10, yes, it's the remnant, and praise be to the Lord that it's a remnant, but also don't forget, these things can creep up at any time. Defunct pastors, we've already learned they're dangerous to be under defunct pastors, you see? And yet this topic of spiritual warfare is given, yes, to the leaven, but understand that the fight is very real, very real. He says this in verse 11, let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when we are absent, such we will also be indeed when we are present. Remember verse two, when Paul says, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you. I don't want to be this kind of bold. And it directly hinges on the Corinthian obedience or disobedience. Well, this verse acknowledges that. It builds on that to say, you know, the ball's in your court, church. The ball is in your court, Corinth. You can say that, you know, with his letters, they're weighty and powerful, but in body, you're weak. You're just a little pipsqueak. Look at your little noodle arms, Paul. Look at your little noodle arms. People say that, you know, historically speaking, that Paul might have had some kind of impediment, you know, physical impediment some type of crippling aspect to his nature. And so, you know, in light of that, not saying that that is actuality, but in light of that, you know, they might have said, oh, look, Paul, you're so way, you speak like a tough guy. But in real life, when I see you with my eyes, look, you got little pippy, little noodle arms, your little noodle legs. You're just a little guy. But no, he's not a little, he's mighty in God. And it's not his might. It's that of the Lord. When I first read, and I've said this before, but when I first read the account of Stephen, I hated it. I was, a, I, was a, I, I believed, but I was carnal. This is like 25 years ago, 20, 25 years ago. <clears throat> and I hated it. I hated the account of Stephen. Then you say, I hated it too because I, he's a martyr and I didn't like it. No, I didn't, I didn't hate it for that reason. I hated Stephen and I hated the Christians. I hated the apostles because they didn't fight back. I hated Stephen. Like, Stephen, why aren't you just pick up a stone and throw it back and, you know, just handle business? The Christians, why aren't you just, you know, these guys want to throw stones. Why aren't you just you know, like, mow over these guys, defeat them? But it was my own carnality. I wasn't thinking right. I was thinking like a baby because I was a baby spiritually. But now I look at Stephen and he is one of the most toughest guys I've ever known. I've known some tough guys, but he is one of the most toughest guys I've ever known. Complete and total submission to Jesus Christ. And he looks up and he sees the Lord at the right hand of God. He sees Jesus Christ. You see? Oh, Paul, he's such a weak guy. He's so weak. Look, he, he writes these letters. He thinks he's such a tough guy. <clears throat> and Paul says this. He says, okay, 
You know, yeah, for such a person. You remember verse 10, they say, who are these they say? He says, let such a person in verse 11 consider this, that what we are in word by letter when we are absent, such we will also be indeed when when we are present. It's like, okay, yeah, I write these letters, but I write these letters for you. I write these letters for you. I mean, it's in obedience to the Lord as inspired by the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And yes, it's for you. But you need to repent. And if you don't want to repent, then when I come to town, we're going to have a chat. We're going to have a conversation. And who I am indeed will match who I am in letter. I don't want that to happen. I would much rather come and visit you and give you a big fat hug, a big beautiful holy kiss on your cheek. I would much rather laugh with you and rejoice with you. <coughs> Excuse me. And sup with you. But no, balls in your court. Balls in your court. If you want to be corrected by this letter, praise be to the Lord. But if you refuse that, you see, oh, it sounds like you're deifying Paul. I'm not deifying Paul, but I'm understanding that he is also a worker in the Lord's house. Remember, we make the distinction between field and worker. You see, and I have to say this too. You have to be a Berean. You must be a Berean. You can't, you know, you hear me advocate submission to a pastor, which is a biblical truth. And a lot of times the wolf, the hireling, the baby pastor, who shouldn't be a pastor, these predator pastors, they take these verses about pastoral submission. They take these verses and use them to their advantage. They say, hey, yeah, Christians, you submit to me. I'm teaching God speaks to me and I speak to you. And that's how it is. And you have these baby Christians like, okay, pastor, okay, pastor. Because they're not Bereans, they're babies. Babies don't understand these things. But Bereans understand, okay, the pastor says this. Well, okay, pastor, what's up with the crack? Okay, pastor, why are you going to the strip clubs? Okay, pastor, why, you know, why are you a gambler? You call yourself a pastor? Pastors don't do such things. Therefore, biblically speaking, you fail to meet the biblical qualifications of pastor. You fail to meet the biblical qualifications of elders. Therefore, you're crazy. I'm out of here. You see, that's what Bereans do. Remember, Satan doesn't like Bereans. Satan does not like Bereans and he will fight tooth and nail for you not to be a Berean. And if you're listening for the first time, if you're like a baby Christian, a legit baby Christian, and you know, you, you or you're a non-believer, and you're like, what is this? What are you talking about? Bereans is exemplified in mature Christians. <clears throat> the Bible likens to maturity because they search the scriptures to verify whether the things Paul was saying was true. Search the scriptures. You have to know the Bible. Remember, knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Not, not the greatest gift, but definitely, certainly a gift. You see, <clears throat> in verse 12, <clears throat> in verse 12, for we dare not, we dare not class ourselves <clears throat> or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves or approve of themselves, but they, speaking about those who approve or commend themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise remember the unit of measurement our unit of measurement your unit of measurement and my unit of measurement it's the word of god 
Genesis to Revelation, the full counsel of the word of God is the word of God. Paul is in submission to Jesus Christ, who is the head pastor. You see, like pastors today, pastors today, they compare themselves with themselves. Oh, look, this, this study Bible says this, and oh, yes, uh, this pastor says this, this pastor says this. And have you ever listened to like uh, a sermon? You listen to a sermon, and then you listen to another pastor, and it's almost like the same sermon, or they use the same words. It's like, and then you listen to another, and it's like five pastors, and they all speak exactly the same. They all say exactly the same words. Well, sometimes, you know, there's there's websites there that you can, I'm doing my air quotes, Christian websites, where... <clears throat> were so-called pastors this go visit a so-called christian website and they just download the sermon that's all it is they don't study the bible they just download the sermon you know you pay a subscription fee you download the sermon you know the little click here click there bada bing pay here pay there boom hit print you put it on your in your notebook your nice little leather bound notebook you walk out to the pulpit you open it up and then all of a sudden you just start reading and it's like a script you read a script that tells you when to laugh. It tells you when to smile. It tells you when to fake tears. It tells you all these things. It's like a script. That's all it is. So their form of Bible study is like, you know, script reading, like an actor does. Like an actor does. You know what they called actors back in the day? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Because they can, you know, they put on a sad face, a smiley face, a mad face, a sad face. It's an act. It's an act. Paul is, the commendation, they, they commend themselves. They commend themselves. And you have all these, you know, the, the millennial generation. Oh, look, I'm a theologian. Look, the, the millennial generation, you know, they grow their beards out, you know, little hipsters. And look, I'm a theologian. Okay, you're a theologian, a theologian of stupid because it doesn't align with the Bible. You want to teach this way? It doesn't align with the Bible and you're a harm to the fellowship. You're a harm to the church. And it's not your flock. It's God's people. God's people, you want to feed them trash? You want to feed them garbage? You want to subject them to garbage that's going to keep them babies? What happens when the demonic fight comes to them? And it will come. They're going to be ill-equipped and they're going to be tossed to and fro by all kinds of winds of doctrine. You see, oh, but I'm a theologian. You see, they commend themselves. They commend themselves. It's very interesting how everybody says, sola scriptura, sola scriptura. But the people that I know who proclaim, oh, sola scriptura, they have the biggest libraries. They have the biggest libraries. Why is that? You can say sola scriptura all you want, but is it really? Because if, if you if you proclaim sola scriptura, sola scriptura, if you proclaim that, there should only be one. Sola. Sola. One. You see? Let's continue here in verse 13. In closing, <clears throat> we, however, <laughs> not they, we, however, will not boast beyond measure. But within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. I love this. The sphere translates as canon in the Greek. Canon. Where we get the word canon. You hear people say the canon of scripture. I never, you know, when I was a young believer, I hear people say that the canon of scripture. And I never get it. Like, what? The canon of scripture? What do you mean canon? I thought like you know, the canon, like the like a like the the military weapon, you know, the canon. 
you know, like artillery. I thought like, wow, what are you talking about? The canon of scripture. You know, canon in the Greek. It's the standard or the, 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 the standard or the rule. It says, <clears throat> but within the limits of the sphere, the canon, <clears throat> which God appointed us, a sphere or a portion which especially includes you. I love how this translation uses the word sphere. You know why? Because a sphere is round. It reminds me of a bubble. The bubble. You see? The the sphere. See, <laughs> I get tongue-tied sometimes. So I was going to say, you see? I said, you sphere? <laughs> which God appointed us. A sphere which especially includes you. You, I love this, this bubble of Paul. Yes, there's this holy bubble of Paul with his teachers that he pours into the next generation. Yes, of righteousness, but also the next generation of pastoral leadership, the next generation of elders, of deacons, of bishops, <coughs> excuse me, of ministry leaders. And this bubble, it extends to even include the Corinthian saints. How beautiful is this a sphere which especially includes you? <clears throat> For we are not overextending ourselves. <clears throat> For we are not <clears throat> overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. This is so beautiful. It is to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. This is all the Lord's doing. All of it the Lord's doing. Turn with me really quick to Acts, the book of Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16. And in Acts 16, verse 6, now, Acts 18 is the birth of Corinth. But in Acts 16, look what happens here in Acts 16, verse 6. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, this is Paul and his bubble. The birth of Corinth hadn't happened yet. That's two chapters in. So that's in Acts chapter 18. Here we are in Acts 16, in verse 6. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. You see, forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what Paul just said to the Corinthian church? He says, don't turn there, it'd still be in Acts, but I'm just going to reread what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse um, 14. When Paul says, for we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you, for it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. Yes, they came to the they came with the gospel of Christ to Corinth, but the Holy Spirit was guiding them. Because the Holy Spirit, as is written here in Acts 16, verse 6, they were forbidden by the Spirit of the Lord to preach the word in Asia. You see, the Lord is guiding the steps of this holy bubble that has Paul and this entourage with Paul. This holy bubble is being guided by the Spirit of the Lord. Not just, oh yeah, I, I think we're going to go here. I think we're going to do, do this. No, they were on their faces before the Lord, praying, seeking the face of the Lord. Lord, where shall we go? You direct our steps, Lord. Let's pray. Are we going to go here? Are we going to go there? We don't know, Lord, but we want to we be in complete and total submission unto your Lordship, Lord. You see? 
In verse 7, after they had gone to uh, Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. You see how the Holy Spirit was like blocking them, blocking them, straight up blocking them. Now, carnally thinking, carnally speaking even. You can say, oh, why do you, you know, oh, that's satanic opposition because they want to go into Asia. They want to go into Bithynia. But no, there's this roadblock. We can't get in here. We look, it's demonic opposition. That's not demonic. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is saying, no, don't do that. You see, intimacy with God. You know, when you hear us advocate intimacy with God, it's not just so that you can be friends. There's that too. But in submission to the Lord, that he can be Lord, Lord of your life. Intimacy with him, instruction for him. Oh, but we want to go over here. We want to go into Asia. We want to go into Mycenae and Bithynia. But the Spirit was saying, no. Oh, look, it's demonic oppression. The ones who say such, they, they have no intimacy with the Lord. Oh, it's demonic. Look, how the Lord would want us to preach the gospel over here. Why The Lord loves these people. God is love and he loves these people. The ones in, in Bithynia and, and Asia. Why are we having these roadblocks? Look, it's demonic. No, it's not demonic. It's not demonic at all. Yes, the Lord loves those people. But that wasn't Paul's call. That was the call of another. Historically, it was Thomas who went into Asia, regions of Asia. Beautiful, beautiful doubting Thomas. You see? And, you know, it just blows me away so much. Because it's like the intimacy that a soul can have with the creator of all things. The one who formed you in your mother's womb. Intimacy with him. With him to direct your steps. You see? So many times, you know, I've talked to pastors. Oh, what what is your five? They ask of me, what is your five-year plan for the ministry? What is your 10-year plan for the ministry? What is your 20-year plan for the ministry? I tell you the truth, I don't have a 20-minute plan for the ministry. How? Whatever the Lord wants. He's the head pastor, whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. That's the plan. Complete and total submission unto him. You see? Complete and total submission. As for me, my desire, circumcision and equipping. That's my desire. For you, for me, for us, a people of the way, to be circumcised unto the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And for you and me to roll around on the mat and learn how to fight. You see, that's my desire, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's it. Oh, you don't have a 10-year plan? You don't have a 5-year plan? You don't have a 20-year plan? No, I don't have a 20-minute plan. It's how the Lord calls. How the Whatever the Lord wants, whatever he wants. You see? And so look what happens here in verse 7. The Spirit did not permit them. So, passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him. Very interesting what we see here. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see, the Holy Spirit was saying, No, don't go into Asia. No, don't go into Mycenae. 
And then they have, he has a vision in the night. A, a, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And what happened? You know, come to Macedonia, come to Macedonia. He wakes up and he speaks with those who are with him. Now, historically, those who were with him was Luke, Silas, Timothy. Those are the ones who are with him. And Paul says, hey, guys, I had a vision. I had a vision. And they didn't laugh at him. That's what happens today. Hey, guys, I had a vision. What? People laugh. Ha, 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 ha. You're so crazy. You had a vision. You're so stupid. That was for 2,000 years ago. That's not for today. The Lord doesn't give visions today. That was just for 2,000 years ago. The fools say such. The idiotes speak such. No, visions are prophesied to happen among the remnant. But it's prophesied to happen dreams among the remnant. Oh, but this person says that was for 2,000 years ago. That person is an idiote. Idiot. They are among the idiotes, the fools. Paul, he wakes up at night. Hey, guys, I had a vision. Guys, I had a vision. Luke, Dr. Luke, Paul, what was it? What was it, brother? What was it, Silas? Or what, 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 what Silas say? What was it? Timothy say, what was it? They discuss it. They pray, they seek the face of the Lord. This is this, this little bubble, this little bubble grow, Paul, this little bubble of Paul, it grows. They pray, they seek the face of the Lord, and they conclude that the Lord had called them to preach the gospel in Macedonia. You see, the Macedonian call. And what happens? Macedonia, Achaia, that's when you get into the region of Corinth. You see, the Lord is directing, the Lord is guiding everything in real time, real time. You ever talk to, you know, uh, uh, missionaries today? They, 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 you know, oh, I, I need to meet with you. I need to meet with you. Okay, okay, well, what, what's going on? Well, the Lord is calling me to Zimbabwe. And I always laugh. The Lord is calling me to China. The Lord is calling me to Russia. The Lord is calling me to whatever. And I always laugh. Why? That's kind of mean. Why do you laugh? Because what, what in the world are you doing here? The Lord is calling me to Zimbabwe. What? Why are you here? Why are we here face to face? Why aren't you in Zimbabwe? Well, I can't go unless I have full funding for my my room and board. And I don't want to stay in the sticks. I want to stay in a nice area. So it's going to be kind of expensive. And I need my health insurance to be paid for. I need my 401k to be paid for. And I need, uh, you know, life insurance. I, I, I need all, and I need my provisions so that I can buy a car, pay for gas and all these things. And just my living expenses for food. So I can't go to Zimbabwe unless I have $5,000 a month. So do you want to be a part of what the Lord is doing? They try to convict. Do you want to be a part of what the Lord is doing? Number one, you're in disobe disobedience. Because if the Lord is calling you to Zimbabwe, if, if, emphasis on if. If the Lord is calling you to Zimbabwe, you better get your derriere to Zimbabwe fast. Because the Lord is calling you there. You see? Because when we read the book of Acts, what do we see? We see in real time, Jehovah Jireh. God provides in real time. You see, God providing in real time. Not mankind providing so that you can fund your 401k for, you know, 20 years down the road, for 30 years down the road, so that you can fund your retirement. Not, none of that. It's in real time. 
the Lord makes himself known. And since you're preparing beforehand for these things, how how can the Lord make himself known? If you're telling me the Lord is calling me to Zimbabwe, you see, you're, you're, that's what you're telling me. You see? Understand, when you read the book of Acts, you read the epistles, everything is in real time. Boom, boom. Remember when Peter was in jail? There was the, the jailbreak from the angel? Even Peter, he thought he was in a dream until he was he was already rescued. He was already outside of the prison. And he, he woke up, he kind of like came to, and he was like, whoa, was that real? Like, that was real. And so it's the middle of the night. What does he do? He goes and knocks on the saints how they were praying. Praying all night, Lord, you know, take care of Peter. Lord, take care of Peter. Free him, Lord. You know, all these things they were praying, seeking the face of the Lord, which is beautiful. And Peter, you know, knocks on the door. Uh, somebody, you know, hey, baby girl, go answer the door. Baby girl goes to answer the door. Baby girl opens the door. Like, what is Peter? She thought it was a ghost. Like, what? And she tells her, hey, Peter's at the door. And they thought he was a ghost. It's, it's Peter's ghost. He died in prison. They killed him. Even in real time, even they didn't believe what was happening. The Lord had already freed Peter. You see? In real time. That's what's so beautiful. And when you understand that, you know, Acts 16, they get the call to Macedonia. They go into Macedonia. You get into Acts 17. They get it in Acts 18. Then boom, Corinth. Hello, Corinthians. Hello, Corinthians. You see? And Paul didn't come to Corinth with big, eloquent words. Remember, he came on purpose speaking Christ and him crucified. And people believed. People believed. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. And so we get into 2 Corinthians. Let's turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, <clears throat> verse 14, when Paul says, For we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ and everything was the Lord's doing. The Lord was doing all of it. This is Holy Spirit prohibiting Paul's bubble to go into Asia and Messiah uh, 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 and all these things. And all of a sudden the Macedonian call, which led into Achaia and the region of Corinth. You see, the Lord's doing it. The Lord is doing it. And now six years deep from Acts 18, we're six years deep. Now Paul is saying and explaining these things. In verse 15, not boasting of the things of, of things beyond measure, beyond measure, you see. Because, remember, he says, that is in other men's labors. Because, remember, there were, he had a little entourage with it. It's not Paul taking all the credit. Oh, look how awesome I am. Paul's not taking all the credit. Remember, the region, when you read the book of Acts, the region, there was Apollos, there was Priscilla, there was Aquila, there was Silas, Timothy. He had a little entourage with him. A holy bubble, the next generation of righteousness, but of pastors, elders, deacons, bishops. You see? But having hope, having hope that as your faith is increased, I love this because it buttresses what we study in chapter 8, verse 7. In chapter 8, verse 7, 2 Corinthians, remember, but as you abound or increase in everything, speaking about this increase in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, in love, see that you abound in this grace also. You see, abounding in faith, increasing in faith. And Paul references that here in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, but having hope, that is, your faith is increased. 
we shall be greatly enlarged. Greatly enlarged. Does that mean that Paul can boast? Wow, look how big Paul's church is. Look how big his saints are. No, no, no boasting at all. No boasting at all. Look at his little entourage. Not a lot of people. Not a lot of people. Greatly enlarged. You know, he's not boasting at all, but look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. Turn with me really quick to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And we read this in Galatians 5. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, the flesh, this is works of leaven, the works of leaven, the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, and the like. That is the works of the flesh, which are well practiced by leaven. Leaven, which needs to be separated from. If it's if it's not dealt with, it needs to be separated from. And in this age of the defunct pastors and defunct elders, it's not dealt with. Paul says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, oh, but once saved, always saved, once saved, always saved. Well, we already talked about that. We already studied that. Luke chapter 8, remember? We already looked at that. No, leaven must be dealt with. And once leaven is dealt with, that leaven can repent. And if that leaven doesn't repent, then there needs to be a separation. A separation of those consecrated that the whole may not be impacted by the leaven. That you not spoil the whole. And in verse 22, we see this. But the fruit of the Spirit, not of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. See, crucified with Christ. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with, with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, these verses in Galatians, Galatians 5 is the contrast between flesh and spirit. The contrast between Leaven and remnant, you see? Now you choose. You choose. I choose too. We choose. I'm going to walk according to the Spirit. I want you to walk according to the Spirit. I don't want any of us to walk according to the flesh. You see? Going back to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 10, verse 15. But having hope that is your faith is increased, that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged. Now, he's not talking about numbers. Oh, look, Corinth, we have 500 new believers. Look, we have 1,000 new believers. Look, we have 10,000 new believers. No, the fruit. Look at the beautiful, succulent fruit in Corinth among the remnant. Look at this beautiful fruit. It's not just, have you ever seen like a little grape? Like a little tiny defunct grape. It's like, ah, that's not even a good good grape. But then you eat this big, fat, juicy grape. Oh, it's delicious. 
or strawberries. And you see this little tiny, it's not even red. It's like kind of like an off red, you know, it's like, but then you see a big, fat, luscious strawberry. That's what he's talking about. The enlargement. It's not like numbers. No. It's beautiful, succulent fruit. You see? That we may, that we, we shall be greatly enlarged by you, he says, to the Corinthian remnant, by you, in our bubble, that's a little additive, in our sphere, he says. You see, it's the body helping the body, Paul helping Corinth, Titus helping Corinth, Timothy helping Corinth. Priscilla, Achilla helping Corinth and Corinth helping them the body caring for the body you see he says in verse 16 to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you so you know this is Paul's calling to preach the gospel to teach the gospel to teach the Bible he says to preach the gospel in regions beyond you see it's it, yes, it's there's unity within this bubble, but at the same time, understand that with the enlarging of this bubble, that Paul's going to enter regions that's Corinth is Corinth, but Paul's going to enter multiple regions, you see. But it's still saints, the body taking care of the body, unity among the saints. He says to preach the gospel in regions beyond you. And not not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. Now, this is where I get a little flack sometimes from pastors. The pastoral community, this is where I get a little flack. You know, you shouldn't have a church over here. You shouldn't have a church over there. You shouldn't have a church over here. But uh, uh, let me explain. You know, they kind of use this verse, you know, and not to not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. They use that with, you know, remember our study in Romans 15, verse 20, not to build on another's foundation. But I'll give you an example. Say, for example, we have a church location that is right smack dab in the midst of the Lutherans, or right smack dab in the middle of the four squares. Just say, for example, now, Lutheran, modern-day Lutherism, Luth Lutheranism, straight-up crazy town. Crazy town. I don't even acknowledge that as a bubble. Uh, four square, female pastors, I, I, it's not the formula. Yeah, the modern day Episcopal movement, Episcopal church, it's not, it's not the formula. You see? Oh, but you know, we're Calvary Chapel, we're Calvary Chapel. Okay, who is your pastor? Uh, Chuck Smith. Okay, okay, I, I I can understand. Maybe, maybe I'll go over here. Maybe we'll go elsewhere. Oh, but we're Calvary Chapel, we're Calvary Chapel. Okay, who's your pastor? Broderson. Not the bubble. It's the wrong formula. Liberalism. Liberalism has entered the church. Corinth is impacting impacting the church more than the church is impacting the world. You see? That's what's so beautiful about these last days is everybody's gone into crazy town. Remember the four parts of the last days church? False, apostate, entering apostate, apostasy, or true. Which means that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, but essentially speaking virtually be anywhere you see and not because it's that's you know it's not like we're invading a territory but no it's like 
the truth of God's word has been abandoned. And if the truth of God's word has been abandoned, what can be said of the sheep? What can be said of the flock that exists there? If there is sheep and flock there, because under the tutelage of the defunct, what do you expect? So I get a lot of flack sometimes. Well, you shouldn't have a location here. You're too close to the proximity of, you know, this church or this denomination or this over here. You're too close to the in proximity. Well, is truth being taught? Because I don't want to be in proximity to where a tr- where truth is being taught. I don't, I don't, I don't want to build on that foundation because a fellow worker is there doing that work. But if they teach that it's okay to take the mark of the beast, if they teach replacement theology, if they teach teach women pastors, if they teach grave soaking, if they teach the works of the flesh, I don't acknowledge that as a bubble, the holy bubble. It's a bubble of something, but it ain't holy. You see? And I've had these conversations with pastors and elders. Dumbfounded. Dumbfounded. They don't understand. You see? And that's one of the beauties of the last days because the remnant, when knowing, as the word teaches, knowing that the harvest is plentiful, we can go anywhere. You see, the remnant, the harvest is plentiful. We can go anywhere. It's like business. You know, you ever see that business people, you have like competitors and they get mad at you. It's like, oh, don't take my business. That's, that's part of the gig. You know, you teach truth, you're fine. You teach faith, you teach apostasy, you teach these things. No, it's like a straight up rescue mission. You see, and I've had these conversations with the pastors, with the elders. They don't understand. Dumbfounded. Just like I said, you know, most Christians never make it this far, this understanding of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Most Christians never make it this far. And even among elders and pastors and ministry leaders, most don't make it this far but when you take the writings of first corinthians and second corinthians you stick them together and stretch it out on the timeline you can see the growth pattern you know preschool kindergarten first grade second third fourth fifth sixth and here we are second corinthians chapter 10 learning about spiritual warfare spiritual warfare most christians never make it this far most pastors never make it this far most elders make it this far you see it's not, not, no boasting whatsoever. I don't, I don't even know you. How can I boast when I don't even know you? Boast in what? I could, I could be shoulder to shoulder with you at a sport event and I wouldn't have any idea who you are. Where, where's boasting? My boast is in Christ. My boast is in Christ because he is the head pastor of the fellowship. He is the head pastor of the church. You, me, we must be in complete and total submission unto him in accordance with his word. Otherwise, it is another Christ. The deception we see today is nothing. Tiddlywinks. This is nothing. This is patty cake. The deception we see today, this is patty cake compared with the deception that's coming. You see? And it will be dangerous. But who will be dangerous? Who will be more dangerous? In accordance to the spirit, I speak metaphysically, spiritually. You see? In verse 17, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. He quotes from Jeremiah, who has the same spirit of the living God. The same spirit that's in Paul is the same spirit that was in uh, Jeremiah. The same spirit, the Holy Spirit. Is it engraves? 
As some pastors teach, many pastors teach, many ministries teach. Oh, let's go to the grave. Let's go lay on this grave so the Holy Spirit, this dead guy or this dead lady can soak up into us. No, that's an abomination before the Lord. That's another spirit. That's not the spirit of the Lord because the spirit of the Lord guides in truth, not into a lie. That's another spirit, lowercase s. You see? He quotes Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, the lonely prophet. In verse 18, for not he who commends or approves himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends or approves. I love that so much because he quotes Jeremiah, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord, quoting Jeremiah. You know, everybody thought Jeremiah was crazy. Oh, don't listen to Jeremiah. We're of the elect. God is for us. God is for us. These Babylonians, they're nothing. We're going to fight against them. But see, they were fighting in according to the, in according to the natural man. The Lord told Jeremiah, no, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he's my servant. I'm using him to chastise Judah. You see? And Jeremiah was the lonely prophet. Don't listen to Jeremiah. He's crazy. He's a legalist. He's dangerous. You better believe he was dangerous. Dangerous in the Lord. But he was lonely, lonely nonetheless. You see? Just like Paul. Just like Amos. Just like Hannah, just like uh, all these beautiful people were surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you see? And in these last days, as the word teaches, there will be a famine of the word of God. There will be, it is prophesied, a famine of the word of God. But even though there's a famine of the word of God, there is still food to be found Food to be found. Darkness is coming, but there is still light to be found. You see, God did it with Joseph. God did it in Goshen. And he'll do it again in the last days with the remnant according to grace, as prophesied. To the beautiful remnant of the way. God bless you. I love you.